Well, I'm ready, but uh, that's not the point, is it? Uh, are you ready? Australia, are you ready? It's a brand new day. It is Thursday, February 22, and uh, we are here for a long time and a good time. And no matter where you are around Australia, no matter how you're listening to us, whether it be through a, an old-fashioned radio transmitter or one of the newfangled brand of listeners that we have that listen to us on the app, on the web, uh, overseas, people listening to us in another country, we love hearing from you. But as we go around Australia on the Triple M Network and uh, people listening to us on the Lister app, good morning to you. And welcome to a brand new day with lots to talk about. And a reminder that tomorrow, Friday, it's nearly Friday, um, we'll be judging and uh, announcing our caller of the week, which will win a whole lot of fantastic prizes and some not so fantastic prizes, depending on what we can steal off someone's desk. But we do have some Swift Grow. We have a Triple M t-shirt. We have uh, a Pestrol Fly and Mozzie deterrent gadget. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, a whole lot of other things. So if uh, you'd like to win some prizes, you've just got to join us. If you've never, ever, ever rung before, make yourself known. Say hello. Voice and opinion. And if you're a member of the Night Shift family who's been with us for quite some time, we want to hear from you. Uh, the quickie will continue later this morning. Today's clue should be able to give it away. In fact, because tomorrow's Friday and Friday is 80s, classic 80s rock across the Triple M network, today's quickie can't roll over, Thomas. Have you thought about this? Did you put thought into this? Oh, you just gave today's call away. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Oh, it could be anything. It could be anything. <laughs> but it can't, the quickie can't roll over to tomorrow. That's right. We've got to get away. So we will get, we will, yeah. So we'll, we'll give the clue away um, a little later this morning. And then after the first hour, if we don't get, well, if we don't get anyone close to it, we'll give another clue. Sounds good. Yeah. But also because I want to play this song. I love this song. I turn it up and I love it. So that's coming up uh, a little bit later on this morning. One triple three five three is the number. Keep those emails coming in. Nightshift at triple uh, what a week of extreme weather it's been right across the nation. Um, thunderstorms that brought intense deluges to part of New South Wales and Queensland. Cyclone Lincoln is likely to re-emerge off the north coast of Western Australia. Uh, elevated fire dangers continuing in South Australia, Victoria and Tasmania. Now, it's unbelievable. This wild weather this week. It follows a number of severe events already during the past few days. This includes record February 50 degree Celsius heat in Western Australia. We've seen flash flooding in Sydney and Brisbane and flooding rains over the inland Northern Territory and Kimberley. So, well, what's in store today? Well, I'll let you know in just a little while. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Now, Let's have a look at some of the news stories that we should be talking about this morning. And, well, Woolworths Chief Executive Brad Banducci has retired. He's fallen on his sword. He's gone. He's nicked off. He has disappeared and won't be back. And, folks, this is a lesson to any of our corporates that think that they can preach to us, 
go woke and not go broke. And Brad Banducci has learnt a very valuable lesson. It's a lesson that Alan Joyce learnt towards the end of his tenure at Qantas. And Australians don't wear it. Australians don't wear it. Now, Brad Banducci, as you may have seen on Four Corners, was trying to answer questions brought about by an ABC reporter on price gouging and how Rod Sims and Alan Fells had both said that Woolies and Coles, who between them hold over 82% of our supermarket retail chains, um, may have been guilty of price gouging. And may just have been guilty of putting unfair pressure on farmers, producers, and people who supply Woolies and Coles with products to buy those products at inflated uh, prices so that we, the customer, also pay inflated prices. Now, proving price gouging is very, very hard. But the chief executive, Brad Banducci, went on four corners and it didn't work, work out well. Can I just tell you, um, if you're going to go on a television program, an interview-style program, if you don't like the questions and you walk out, you have just given that TV show an absolute gift because nothing looks better than a walkout. And that walkout will be used in all their promos and will be forever in the, the National Television Archives as another TV walkout. And Brad Banaducci, who should have known better, got asked some pretty tricky questions. He didn't like the questions. And he stood up and said, I've got to come back. I've got to go away. Uh, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. Um, obviously, you had to sort of see it on, on the ABC. Here's a little of how it sounded. The boss of one of the largest supermarket chains. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm done, guys. Uh, you know, right, I, I do right, this with good intent. During a grilling over price gouging claims. You're walking out, really? No, no, no. Can we just talk to no, Brad no, for a second? Yeah. So if you can't take the heat, you get out of the kitchen, but you don't do it on live television. Oh, that wasn't live. That was a pre-record. But you don't do it with the camera rolling. You you just don't do it. If you're not up for the interview, if you're not ready with the the answers, don't put yourself in front of a TV camera. But it's more than just that. I don't believe it's just that, why Brad Banducci had to retire as CEO of Woolies yesterday. Woolies went woke on us. And they've done it a number of times, but the one that will come to your immediate memory is as recently as the 26th of January. Woolies decided to go woke and not sell Australia Day merchandise. They not only decided not to sell Australia Day merchandise, they made a fuss of it. They made a big deal of it. They thought they would get the woke shopper. Well, guess what? People stayed away in droves. Australia didn't wear it. Can I just say this to any other CEO of any other Australian business, stay in your lane. If your job is to sell uh, food, if if your job is to sell uh, to to the Australian public um, supermarket goods, make that your job. Don't preach to us on political rhetoric. Don't because Australians don't wear it.
The company yesterday announced a $781 million loss. This is a company that shares an 82% share of the Australian retail supermarket uh, uh, market here in Australia, and it managed to file a $781 million loss. So Brad Banducci has gone. I don't know who will replace him. We'll find out soon. But just let me tell you, and I'll say it again, when you uh, when your job is to sell retail supermarket goods, uh, essentials like food, uh, make that your main aim. Don't go all woke. There is, a, there is an old saying, go woke, you'll go broke. Anyway, there you go. Lesson learned, Brad Banducci. And if you... If you're going to go in front of a television camera, um, be prepared. And if you get stuck with a sticky question, uh, well, you're, you're supposed to be the CEO. You're supposed to be better prepared than that. It wasn't a look good. And I'm sure that uh, the board didn't think it looked good. And the shareholders of Woolies won't be happy today, but hopefully they'll bounce back. Which brings us to another point, and that is why do we have such a duopoly here in Australia? Surely the government can now see that Australians deserve more competition. I mean, 82% between two supermarket giants and the others, the Aldis, the IGAs, and, you know, the other few players in the game are really just picking up scraps. I think Aldi might be uh, gaining some ground but Woolies and Coles are the two big players. And I think the Australian public deserves more competition. But uh, you may have some, some thoughts on all of that. I'd like to hear from anyone who works at Woolies. When Woolies decided not to sell Australia Day merchandise, and I feel really, really bad for the workers on the floor who had to, had to cop all this, what was it like working there? Did you cop it from the public? Were there, were there comments did you feel bad? Maybe you believe that not selling Australia Day merchandise was the right thing to do. I don't know, but tell me, what was it like and what is it like being a Woolworths employee? Give us a call and share your thoughts with us. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, what else is happening today? I'm looking forward, very, very much forward to talking to Mark Ainsworth, former senior detective Mark Ainsworth, who has been at four royal commissions. This guy knows his way around Queensland law. And he has been very, very outspoken on the youth crime wave that's hit Queensland. And I'll say it again a hundred times. It's not just Queensland. It's all of Australia. But uh, he's back on the program today in the wake of the Queensland Police Commissioner Katerina Carroll resigning. The commissioner has faced escalating tensions within her police ranks and mounting criticisms over the state's youth crime crisis since the stabbing of Red Bank Plains grandmother Violene White in the car park of her local shopping centre. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't believe the police are to blame. The police are doing their very, very best with the tools that the government has given them to work with. But often, and you've heard, you've heard police officers ring this program who will tell me, Luke, we're trying our best to try and jump on youth crime, 
but the government legislation and the magistrates who then deal with these kids at the end of the loop, they're telling us to fight, but they've tied our hands behind our backs. There's not much more we can do. I don't believe for one moment that Queensland Police Commissioner Katarina Carroll has done anything wrong. She and her team and her police officers, who, by the way, are resigning hand over fist in Queensland, they're doing their very, very best. So I look forward to talking to Mark Ainsworth a little bit later on the program. He firmly believes that an outback boot camp type situation needs to happen to bring these kids into line. We spoke to Bob Davis from Hard Yakka. And uh, the, the Hard Yakka military-style boot camp is actually getting results. And you might remember I had a whistleblower. He, was a, he is a, um, a, a guard, an officer at a youth detention centre. And he rang in in reply to Pauline, Senator Pauline Hanson's comments on this program. Pauline Hanson said that the youth detention centres are a holiday. They're paradise. Uh, PlayStation games, uh, tennis courts, basketball courts, swimming pools, uh, three good meals a day plus snacks. You don't have to go and work detention if you don't want to. And Pauline Hanson from One Nation said on this program that she's had constituents tell her that you've got kids who will deliberately re-offend just to get back into youth detention. Well, <laughs> well, that's not a deterrent then, is it? A hundred times I've said it on this program. If you want kids, these criminals, these young criminals, to turn their lives around, well, when you arrest them and you go before a magistrate, there's got to be consequences once again. Uh, that young 16-year-old that allegedly stabbed Queensland grandmother Viley White to death in the car park of her local shopping centre, he was out in bail. He was out in bail. The magistrate allowed him back on bail. Yeah, and they've talked about oh, ankle bracelets, tracking bracelets, put them on their legs. <laughs> They'll cut them off. They won't care. These criminals are at a point where... If you're going to put a, an, an ankle bracelet on an offender, on a repeat offender while they're out on bail or on parole, what are the consequences if they cut it off or just choose not to wear it? What are the consequences? That's the, that's the thing. We don't have any consequences. Anyway, uh, Mark Ainsworth joining me on the program a little bit later on. I, I so hope you can, uh, you can talk to me uh, and you can listen to it. One triple three. Five three is the number if you would like to be part of the program. Dr. Carl Krusenicki will join us today. He's a funny bloke, Dr. Carl. The topic today, the seven-year itch, actually, Thomas, you and I were talking about this at the beginning of the week, and you read somewhere that the average human's cells replace themselves every so often, about every seven years, and you were saying to me, do we become new people every seven years? Was that how your thought process worked? Yeah. Well, look, I was talking to a friend about this and we got on the topic of relationships and how we're both mm. kind of tired of that. And it feels like you see people go through the cycle of marriage and then burnout and then they become new people and move on. And we kind of thought to ourselves, maybe there's some truth to is the it us? Is yeah. it our bodies? Yeah. Is it? Is, yeah. How often do does our body 
replace and replenish our cells, do we become new people after seven years? Well, uh, nah, not quite. But it is an interesting thing because studies all around the world have shown, see, what is your average relationship? And does a relationship start at marriage or does a relationship start uh, on the first date? But the idea of a seven-year inch that puts a specific time on a generally observed phenomenon of data that sets the time of a relationship is pretty on track. Samples from the U.S. National Center for Health Statistics proves that there is an average median duration of marriage across time. In 1922, the median duration of marriage that ended in divorce was 6.6 years. In 1974, the median duration was 7.5 years. In 1990, the median duration, 7.2 years. This is from research from the National Center for Health Statistics in the United States. Research from 2012 found that American divorce rates peaked after 10 to 12 years. Now, I, we, earlier this week, we were talking about relationships in other countries, and we talked about arranged marriages. And I had a lovely bloke ring me, an Indian, Patel was his name, was it? I think he rang me to tell me that he is in the process of going through an arranged marriage. His mother and father are organising it in India, and there is a specific woman that he and his family are looking for. And remember, in India, traditionally, there is a caste system, so you don't marry below your caste, and you're very lucky if you can marry above your caste. But Indian arranged marriages last. They last. So we might have a look at that later this morning, and you may have some thoughts. Did you have a relationship that ended after around seven years? Do you believe in the seven-year itch? One triple three five three is the telephone number. Do you think after seven years we become different people? If our cells are constantly replacing themselves, after seven years, are we virtually a new person? I don't really go for that. You mature and you gain experience as life goes on. And what might be your life goals at one point in life, they can often change down the track. And if you're constantly growing and listening to opinions, and well, people change. People do change. There are some cultures in the world where you marry someone with the same blood type because they believe that someone with the same blood type is more compatible. In my case, um, if I had my time over again, would I look for somebody with the same blood type? Possibly, only because I'm a better chance of getting a kidney or a liver donation. Anyway, let's talk about relationships this morning. And the seven-year itch, Dr. Carl Krizanicki, joining us a little bit later on. One triple three five three lines are available if you want to get through and have your say. Um, this is an interesting one. I nearly got knocked over uh, by an e-bike the other day, and, so, and there was a bloke next to me in wearing high vis. Uh, same thing. Uh, a person on an e-bike went sailing through a red light. We were crossing a road on the green walk signal, and this e-biker brushed 
the shoulder of the bloke next to me who then in turn bumped into me. We both nearly fell over. And the bloke next to me yelled out and the e-biker went sailing down the road with the middle finger held high. Didn't give a crap. Didn't give a crap. I want to know where you live. Are you inundated with e-bikes, the push bikes, either bikes that people own or they've rented? Because they're driving me absolutely cuckoo where I work. And there is absolutely no police presence at all. You can't arrest them. And if they sail on through and and you've got a police officer who's on foot, you'll never catch them. No one's wearing a helmet. And there is absolutely no guarantee that the people on these e-bikes, I, I, I'm tipping where I work, a lot, of, a lot of these people are tourists. My observation is they're as pissed as a fart. They're going on pub crawls. They're going from pub to pub to pub on an e-bike that they've, they've hired. Anyway, this is interesting. A woman's been slapped with more than $2,500 worth of fines for allegedly riding an e-bike with an unrestrained child. The 42-year-old woman was doing the school run on Monday morning in Sydney's southwest. She was stopped by officers from Liverpool Highway Patrol. She received four separate fines, totaling 2575 bucks after she was found to be breaching a number of offences. New South Wales Police shared photographs of the incident on Facebook warning the public about the dangers of riding e-bikes unsafely. Well, I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, there's somebody on an e-bike with an unrestrained child. Imagine if they if she'd been picked up in a car with a child that was unrestrained. So she's copped $2,500 worth of fines, but this is not the norm. This is the exception. People on e-bikes are hard to catch, and there's no number plate. So if somebody runs a red light and there's a camera, well, good luck catching them. There's no number plate. No one's accountable. What's your experience of e-bikes where you live or work? Are they driving you mad? Because they're certainly driving me cuckoo. And I don't know what you can do about it, except maybe registering the bikes and putting number plates on them. But here at Triple M Central, they're scattered all over the city because people on an app can hire them and then just dump them when they're finished with them. And no one knows who's riding them. And I've got to tell you this, in my observation, I don't see many helmets on. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Now, here we go again, folks. But I've got a funny feeling we're getting closer to having cannabis completely legalized here in Australia. And you might say, yay. You may also say, you're kidding. We don't need another vice. And that marijuana, smoking marijuana, is a gateway drug to harder drugs. I'll I'll leave the debate up to you. But a parliamentary hearing is set to examine whether cannabis should be finally legalised in Australia. A Senate inquiry is going to hold its first round of hearings in Brisbane next Wednesday, looking at the potential legislation of cannabis for adult recreational use. The inquiry has been prompted by a bill introduced to the Upper House last year by the Greens Senator David Shoebridge, 
which should allow for the possession of cannabis. The first round of hearings are going to include appearances from the Australian Medical Association, the Australian Lawyers Alliance, drug law reform advocates, as well as officials from government departments. The AMA believes that if cannabis was legalised for recreational purposes, it would indicate to the public that cannabis is not harmful. The AMA is concerned that people may self-medicate using cannabis products for therapeutic purposes without consultation with their medical practitioner. Well, of course they will. There are people self-medicating using all sorts of drugs right now. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it safe. But I'd like like to know what you think. So the AMA is concerned that people are going to self-medicate using cannabis products. Families and friends for drug law reform say that the decriminalisation of cannabis is going to pave the way for better regulation of the drug going forward. Is it time that the government controls these substances and be able to do it more effectively if everything's out in the open without adding harm to the people who use these these products? I'd, I'd like to know what you think. The Department of Home Affairs, which is also going to appear before the inquiry next Wednesday, said it had multiple concerns with the cannabis proposal. So there are opinions on both sides to all of this. Personally, I've never touched it. I don't smoke marijuana. I was in a room once um, with people sharing a bong and the, the, the room, and there was no way for air to escape or get in. And I got very, very ill. I got paranoid. I felt nauseous. And uh, I just decided ages and ages ago that it wasn't for me. But I know lots of people my age that have a joint every now and then. They say it relaxes them, calms them down. They, they will tell you that it's better than overindulging in alcohol. What are your thoughts, Australia? Is it time that this parliamentary hearing is next Wednesday and they're going to hold their first round of hearings in Brisbane but it's a full Senate inquiry. What do you think? Are you, do you smoke cannabis regularly? Does it change your mood? Does it change who you are? Does it make you depressed? Does it make you eat more? Do you think, do you know of somebody who's a pot smoker and it's destroyed their brain? Or do you think, hey, listen, it's a weed, it's a, it's a natural herb. And if uh, alcohol is legal and deadly cigarette and tobacco products are legal, why can't we have cannabis? Regulate it. Let the government grow it, sell it, and get a tax out of it. What are your thoughts? One triple three five three. We need to get David Shoebridge on the phone next week and have a talk to him about why he's introduced this and where, where he stands on all of this. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, the feedback continues to come in about drinking on the job in Parliament House. Um, I've got a stack of emails to get through. One of them is from Brian. Hi, Luke. If we do breath test politicians and they fail 0.05, they're not allowed to vote or speak. Yes, it may give some parties the chance to have legislation passed due to the numbers that can't vote, while nothing can be done at that point. If it's made public on who is banned and how many times from voting or even speaking in the chamber due to be over the limit, 
At the next election, the public then has the right to know that information and the chance to vote them out and elect people who are wanting to make a difference and do the right thing. It's a very good email, Brian. Brian also says, on youth crime, you mentioned that some organisations are concerned about removing Indigenous youths from their homes due to the stolen generation. I'm sure there are plenty of Indigenous families that would be happy to take in these youths and give them the support they need to try and change their ways. So, Brian, thank you for your email. There's a lot more. There's pages of emails coming through. Um, Drinking in Parliament House. Should alcohol be banned? And if not, should politicians be breath tested before they go into the chamber to vote? And if you're over 0.05, name and shame those politicians so that their electorates and their constituents can see what sort of representation you're getting from your elected official in Parliament House. Or should we just ban alcohol at the dining room so that politicians can't overindulge in that taxpayer-subsidised dining room? Hang on, we're over 18. These politicians are over the age of 18. If they want to drink, they've all got minibars in their, in their offices. What do you say? Do we breath test politicians before they vote on legislation? Your thoughts are welcome. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Look, there's a stack of other stuff I want to talk about this morning, but how about you come to the table? If there's something that you think we should be discussing, I am all ears. Caller of the week tomorrow, stack of great prizes are going to be given away to our caller of the week, and it could be you. The quickie makes uh, its return later this morning. We have another clue that's on our podcast. It has to go off today because it can't go tomorrow for certain reasons. So that might be a clue as to what the quickie is. If you have uh, access to our podcast, go and have a listen. It might just give it away. But uh, that's a little bit later on. Dr. Carl Krasinicki on the seven-year itch. Why do relationships in the Western world seem to, if they break down, they do it around the seven-year period of time? It's an interesting observation, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Oh, the other thing Dr. Carl's going to talk about, Thomas, is we had severe electrical storms in Sydney during the week, and four people were uh, gathered under, I think it was a fig tree, was it the fig tree in the Botanic Gardens? Yeah, in the Botanic Gardens in Sydney. Yeah, and they and they huddled under the tree for shelter, which is the normal thing to do when it's raining. Worst thing you can do. And lightning struck. The electrical current went down the trunk of the tree and the four of these people were knocked out. Paramedics were called. They were rushed to hospital. And a couple of them in a very serious condition because they had burns the vital organs through their bodies. Standing under a tree during an electrical storm is not the thing to do. But what is the right thing to do when caught in an electrical storm? Dr. Carl will give us that great advice later this morning. If you miss out on any of that, it's on our podcast. But look, let's get talking. Let's get the phones ringing. Let's get to know each other. If you've never, ever rung before, today's your day. And if you are a member of our Night Shift family, well, come on down and say hello again. Let's share some opinions. 
Let's keep each other company during the wee small hours of this brand new day. It is Thursday, February 22. I'll give you the weather forecast very, very shortly as we go around the country. It's great to have your company, and I hope you're well. One triple three five three. that's the telephone number. Lines are open right now. You're listening to The Night Shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. So what's on your mind, Australia? There's a lot to talk about. I'm looking forward to you hearing my chat with former senior detective Mark Ainsworth, who joins us again on the program. He's got some some serious thoughts on how to curb youth crime. It's reached a peak. It's reached a peak. And the police commissioner in, uh, in Queensland resigning, I don't think uh, it's her fault. The Queensland Police Commissioner, Katarina Carroll, who resigned earlier this week. Um, other players are saying that she'd been forced into having to quit because of Queensland's youth crime crisis. What more, what more do you want the police to do? If you're a police officer anywhere in Australia that's having to deal with this problem, give us a call. What do you do? I mean, how many arrests have you made only to find out that the person you've arrested is, is, has made bail and is back out on the streets reoffending? What do you want the police to do? What, what more powers do we want to give the police? It's, isn't it up to the judiciary? If the laws are there and the judiciary can do more about it, I see, but the, the problem is people don't want to incarcerate young kids. And the incarceration, according to Pauline Hanson, isn't a deterrent. It's a magnet. Pauline Hanson tells me that young kids would like to be in detention because it's better than living at home. So do we go back another layer? Do we look at the homes where these kids who are constantly being arrested for, for serious crimes, do we look at their home life? And do we start adjusting that? Huh. Do we start handing out licenses for people to be, become parents? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's gotten to the point where it's very hard to go back without major social reform. Is it major social reform that we need? Who's brave enough to say, okay, your child has been arrested four times in the last month out at two o'clock in the morning. You're not fit to be a parent. Well, what do you do with the child then? It's very, very difficult. One, triple, three, five, three. And is it about time that Australia just legislates cannabis. Grow your plants, so long as you don't sell them, so long as you do not sell them, make it like home brew. Grow your plants, smoke your pot, or do we buy it through a government official retailer so that it's regulated and the government gets a tax on it? I'm sure that plenty of you have, have thoughts on all of this. The cannabis drug reform Inquiry takes place in Queensland next Wednesday. One triple three five three is the number. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Luke. How are you? I'm good, thanks, buddy. Welcome good. along. Let's have a chat. What's up? Okay. Well, um, I was just explaining to Thomas before um, that I want to speak to you about the uh, cannabis. Uh, yeah. Clinic. Well, we've. I mean, we've uh, had this discussion over and over and over, and nothing mm-hmm, seems yeah. to happen. Um, yeah. There, it, it seems to be mm-hmm. that there are people who say, "Listen." Yeah. I want to be able to grow my own pot. It's for mm-hmm. my use only. I want to be yeah. left alone like a home brewer who can make as much home brew as he, he or she wants. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. they can make it at home and they can make it as strong and as alcoholic as they want and there's no government yeah. intervention. Why yeah. can't we, who want to yeah. smoke pot, why can't we yeah. have the same freedom? Yeah, ex- yeah to, to a certain extent, yeah. Um, I mean, like it is in Adelaide, you, 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 know, you can grow outdoor, but the quality of the outdoor isn't there. You, know, you want the hydroponic, um, which is you know, generally indoor grown. Um, but they don't allow hydroponic over there either. Yeah, um, that's what you want, though. Yeah, um, and that's really want. what so people So I, I, I don't. I, you're going to have to educate me. I, I apologise, Paul. I'm a bit ignorant on all of this. So if you grow a cannabis plant in your backyard, chances are it's not going to be much good. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, basically, we're what outdoor will pretty much call bush buds. Um, and there's different strains, there's different varieties as well. Because you also have cannabis sativa and you also have cannabis indica as well. Yeah. No, I don't know any um, any of this. You're, you, you've, you've obviously been doing this for a while. I, I don't know. Well, I'm 49 years old now mm. and I've been smoking cannabis daily since I was 13. Has it affected uh, your brain, do you think? Uh, no, no. I've, I finished BCE. I have multiple uh, certificates after that, and um, including a trade certificate. Um, and <clears throat> I've maintained employment through there. Um, I've only been out of employment for seven and a half years now, and that's due to a permanent back injury and spinal cord injury, including nerve damage, um, which regularly results in me losing the ability to walk because my, both my legs shut down on me. Okay, so you've yeah. been you smoke pot for pain relief? Uh, yes, I now go through a clinic, a cannabis clinic. But you've been um, smoking marijuana since you were very young. Yeah, that's right. What age yeah. were you when you started smoking pot? 13. And, and when you started smoking pot at 13, you weren't using it then for um, pain relief? Pain relief, no, no. This is you, were smoking relief. Pot at, you were smoking pot at 13 to get high? Yeah, for fun, yeah. For fun, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and seven years ago, um, when my back injury happened, it was three years after that. Mm. That's when I went to the clinic. Um, that's when I found out about the clinic and now I go see the doctor every three months. I have to have a checkup appointment with the doctor at the, um, cannabis clinic. It's all TGA approved. Mm. Um, my scripts are kept at the clinic. When I go there, I have to show ID to get my prescriptions. Um, and I'm only allowed to go and get my repeats. They are monitored when I go get them and I can't go get them early. There is a set time between my repeats as to when I can go back and get them. All right. That's yeah. okay. So thank you for your background. I'll consider you a bit of a cannabis expert then. <laughs> um, does it make you make bad decisions? No, no, no. Like alcohol? I mean, alcohol can make somebody make really bad decisions. Oh, yeah, certainly, yes. And, yeah. and alcohol can break families up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but, but, but the, but the level of alcohol in your system can be measured and we have mm-hmm. come to the conclusion that 0.05 is mm-hmm. the alcohol tolerance that legally is accepted to operate a motor vehicle. In fact, that's wrong. 0.05 yeah. is still wrong. It's below that. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah, got it to be, be bel- yeah. below 0.05, but yeah. we haven't got a measurement for the amount of cannabis that's in your system. No, see, what they, what they need to develop, rather than roadside testing, you know, because um, there, there's plenty of people getting around that. You know, I, won't, I won't go into ways of detail, but there's, yes, there's plenty of people out there getting away with it. You 
you can cover using things to cover it up. Yeah. Um, even 20 minutes after they leave home and if they get pulled over, it'll still cover it up, no problems. Um, but they need a system like they have in America um, with the roadside sobriety tests, you know, where they've got them to do visual activities, you know, and guidance and things like that, you know, and the eye movements. And then they'll do an actual assess individual assessment by individual, you know, not just a general, you know, this is what we expect, that actual police officer can make his personal decision. Okay, but it's the T. They're okay or not. It's the THC. That's right. Yeah. Okay, that, get, on, that, that gets you high. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. That's, that's it. But it oh, depends yeah. on the percentage of THC. You know, Tetrahydrocannabal. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Now, now at the moment, mm-hmm. we haven't worked out a way mm-hmm. of measuring how much THC is in a cannabis user's system, system, and then worked out, well, we will allow this much THC to be acceptable Mm -hmm. to drive a motor car. At the moment when you do a a cannabis test, you're either positive or negative. That's right. Any positive reading, you're in trouble. Yeah. So so this is where I need education. Do we need to work out um, scientifically, just like the amount of alcohol that is regarded as safe mm-hmm. across Australia. And, of course, that figure changes from person to person. You might yeah, have, exactly. you might have a, a young lady who's only four foot nine and, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, and uh, 79 kilos ringing wet, and, yeah. and, and 0.05 of alcohol will affect her differently to somebody who's 120 kilos and, yeah, yeah, and, exactly. and has a European liver. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm just saying, but we have. Oh yeah, definitely. But we have discovered, we have decided that 0.05 is the standard amount that's tolerable, but yeah. below 0.05. But we yeah. don't know about THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, yeah. yeah. which is the the chemical in cannabis that gets you high. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, do we need to get? our clever people at the CSIRO or somewhere to say, okay, well, let's work out a level of THC that's acceptable so that you can, you can drive a motor car under mm-hmm. the influence of THC, but here's your limit. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, that, it's, it's a, that's probably the way to go because, I mean, they already are growing it in Australia. Um, there are farms in Australia. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's up near Horsham or somewhere around there. Right. That the, the, um, it's outdoor, but it's grown under lights. And the lights are on um, automatic rails that you know, go along the crops over the top of them. But the lights are on at night time, and there's that much of an upwards glow that it's affecting the surrounding farmers and community. Well, look, there are lots of things to talk about this morning, but well, I'm happy to add this to the list because there is that discussion happening in Queensland next Wednesday. Paul... I, I thank you so much for your time. As I say, I need education on this. I don't smoke pot. Never have. It's never interested me, which is interesting because I come from the northern beaches um, of Sydney where everybody smoked pot when I was growing up. You know, back then, I mean, there, there, was, there were no other drugs. There was, there was grog, but only beer and goon. No one, when I was growing up in the 70s, drank spirits and no one well, there was, you know, there wasn't meth and there, there wasn't anything else. It was pot. Everyone smoked pot. And I was one of the few that d- didn't. It didn't, didn't do anything for me. I didn't like it. Didn't stop me drinking KB. 
but uh, I, I need education on all of this because it's never I've never really had any any um, I've never used it. But this THC, which is the chemical that gets you high, do we need a way of measuring that so that people who do smoke pot and if they do finally legalize it, there is a level that is on the whole nationally considered safe. I mean, there'd be people that would argue that there is no safe level of alcohol, but we've come up with 0.05. For P-platers, L-platers, professional drivers, it's zero, isn't it? Would you feel safe if there were drivers out on the road that were legally able to drive with a, a prescribed amount of THC in their system? Would you feel safe sharing the roads? I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there who are on pot right now driving motor cars. Is there a safe level? Is this something that needs to be addressed? I don't know. You tell me. One triple three five three is the telephone number. And while we're talking about alcohol, because plenty of people will ring up and say, oh, alcohol's much, much worse than pot. Uh, the violence that can come with the overindulgence of alcohol. Alcohol can break up families. Uh, alcohol can lead to serious health issues. You're, you're right. But the overindulgence of anything can bring about health issues. But alcohol's legal. And at this point, cannabis isn't. One triple three five three. And should our politicians be breath tested in Parliament House before they vote on legislation that's going to shape our lives? And those politicians that try and get into the chamber and they, they blow over the limit, should they be outed, named and shamed so that their, their constituents back in their electorate know what they're up to next time they're up for election? You're listening to The Night Shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. The Night Shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. Luke Boner with you. Um, here's a topic for a little bit later on, Thomas. It's, it's a story about a woman who online has been criticised for her extremely cruel behaviour towards her niece. Have you read this story? Yeah, I have. This could uh, divide our audience for sure. It's going to divide the world. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the, the important topics here on the night shift, and this is another one. We'll, we'll have fun with this in the man cave tomorrow. A woman has been, folks, a woman's been criticised for her cruel behaviour towards her overweight niece. The 32-year-old recently hosted a family gathering and judged her older sister for indulging her daughter with food, despite the child being extremely overweight by at least 10 kilos. The woman prepared a healthy salad and chicken for a meal and then baked a sponge cake for dessert. My niece asked for a second slice. And the aunt said no. She said, I care about my niece's health, but I didn't want to single her out, so I said I was saving it for later. She shared that she then gave the other children extra slices of cake and encouraged them to lie to her overweight niece about the food. Here is a woman 
who has denied her niece a second slice of sponge cake because she's worried that she's overweight. Did she do the right thing or not? One triple three five three is the telephone number. After dinner, while the kids were playing in the living room, my seven-year-old daughter and her other cousins came up asking for a second slice of cake. I didn't want the cake to go to waste, so I agreed to give them another slice so long as they didn't tell their cousin. Eventually, of course, eventually, my niece found out and started crying. My sister was mad at me for punishing her daughter. I told her that we wouldn't be in this position if she'd actually taken care of her child, which made her even more furious. She's been ignoring me ever since. Many people have slammed this woman for being too controlling. Is it inappropriate to, I don't know, is it fat shame a family member if you believe that their parent isn't parenting correctly? One triple three five three. This woman who refused to give her obese niece a second slice of cake at the family gathering, did she do the right thing? Well, I don't think she did. I mean, it's up to the parent, isn't it? Is it really up to an aunt or a relative? But if you think that a young child that's a member of your family is not being parented correctly, do you step in and say something? They say it takes a village to raise a child. If you're expected to be part of that village, is it okay to say something? One triple three five three. Go on what? If she has said no to the other two kids, I'd be fine with it. But, but she didn't. She but said because it. she did, that's where I draw the line. Uh, is it okay to parent someone else's child if you don't think they're doing a good job? One triple three five three. Here's another question before I go to the break. Go on. Okay. Legally, in all states and territories around Australia, state schools have an obligation to report what they think is child abuse to the principal, and that principal is then uh, obliged to pass on the reports of that child abuse to the authorities. It's the law. If you have a child that's either too fat or too thin, is that child abuse, and should you report it? If you have a child at your school that is seriously obese, is that child abuse? And should you report it? And, and by the same token, someone, a child that you think is way too thin. I mean, if a child's got bruises or cuts or shows behavior, antisocial behavior, um, you're obliged by law as a school principal to report any evidence of child abuse. If you have a child at your school that is massively overweight, is that child abuse and should you report it? Just a thought. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Now, if it's green and it grows, you're going to love Swift Grow, the amazing organic, all organic fertilizer that has Australians raving about it. Joe is overseas right now, the United Arab Emirates, at their invitation, helping other countries get their agriculture together by using Swift Grow. And you can use it here in Australia, delivered to your door. Greener lawns, bigger plants. Better water retention, better tasting veggies, an amazing all organic barramundi fertilizer 
that has Australians raving about it. So jump into this new year, the best deal ever. A five-litre bottle of Swift Grow for just 120 bucks plus free delivery Australia-wide. If it's green and it grows, you will love Swift Grow. The Night Shift on Triple M. Yeah, look, I'll let uh, you, my listeners, do most of the debate on the cannabis thing because I'm not qualified. I mean, I've done as much research as anyone else can. I've spoken to medical practitioners. I've spoken to experts. And and depending on who you talk to, you get a different opinion. I mean, there are plenty of medical practitioners that say any cannabis, any THC is bad for you. Putting any smoke whatsoever into your lungs is bad for you. And then at the same time, those medical practitioners will say, but uh, some alcohol is okay. Alcohol in moderation is okay. Can you smoke cannabis in moderation? You're still putting smoke into your lungs. This is the argument I get from some members of the medical fraternity, that it's not just necessarily about the THC and getting high. It's about putting smoke into your lungs which is bad for you, which can also lead to emphysema. And then you'll have medical experts say, look, um, a little bit of pot every now and then, if it calms you down and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, If you can regulate the amount of THC that's in a joint or in the, the batch of marijuana that you're using at the time, because you see the alcohol is measured. Not with homebrew, it's not. Unless you have a hydrometer and you're a bit anal about it, like I used to be. I used to have a low alcohol beer and a 4.5 or a 5% beer, and I measured it with a hydrometer while I was brewing. So I could I could try and keep track of exactly how alcoholic it was. But when you buy alcohol from the bottle shop, the alcoholic content is on the bottle or on the can of beer. And if you're only allowed so many standard drinks an hour to get you to 0.05, if you're smart, you can regulate it. But if the amount of THC is not regulated, you don't know how much you're getting into your system. So how then do we regulate how much THC is allowed in somebody's blood before they can drive? Do you see my confusion? If you can help me out here, one triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, Steph from Albury, g'day. Hey, how you doing? I'm very well. Thanks for taking the time to ring. That's all right. I've been trying for a couple of nights. You should hear me listening to you, talking to myself, answering all your questions. Hilarious. <laughs> well, now you're on the phone. You can talk. You yeah, can, look out. Yeah. Huh. Go. Sorry. What do you want to hear first? What, why I've got you, a few what, things to say. Why did you ring? What do you feel strongly about? Okay. So, well, the juveniles, the young crims. Yep. Definitely. Um. I have a theory. I'm a hairdresser, so we talk about this sort of stuff all day at work. You talk about everything. We talk about everything. Um, we come up with some pretty good ideas, and one of them, my ex-mother-in-law, actually the separation too, we can get to that, she um, works in a prison, has done for many years, and her story is not all of them are bad people. And it's like, okay, so they are repeat offenders even as adults. Why don't we put some of these young people into the real prisons? The theory of not all bad little kids are bad. They get scared. So can we set up a little, I don't know, a little play role type thing to make them realise that prison isn't all it's cracked up to be? Not like the little detention centres where they get all the perks and 
mm. fun stuff there. And the kid gloves. Yeah, I think, and maybe, I don't know, a few of those creams that you actually know are not going to hurt these young fellas, obviously. It would be supervised. So, so are you suggesting scare them straight? Scare them silly. Scare Some them, them straight. I reckon, yep, yep. I think so. I think, well, what else can you do? Uh, I think they've lost control completely over it. Well, the, th- the trouble is there's no consequences. And this is the, no. this is the problem. You break the yep. law, you go to a magistrate who says, oh, they're there. Please say, please do not grant bail. This yep. is somebody that's repeatedly offended. Um, yep. and, and, the, and the magistrate ignores that advice from the police, releases them on bail, and they go and offend again. For whatever reason. And that poor woman that was stabbed to death in the shopping centre in Queensland. Yeah. The allegedly the sixteen year old that stabbed her, he was out in bail. Yeah, it's disgusting. He was out in bail. It's disgusting. That makes me think I've got two young daughters. They're a little bit older there, I think, than that young girl was. But she is done for life, that little girl. She'll never recover from that. And that's devastating for her and obviously the grandmother. So that six year old girl that witnessed that, she's she's been given a life sentence. I know. And she's the innocent party out of it all. It's just, it is devastating. And the fact that they can just think they can get around doing that in broad daylight, something has to give. I'm in a little town and we've had that for years. There's been little generations, we'll say, of the young ones. And it is, their parents are probably sitting in the pub all day. They don't know what their kids are doing. I know myself with my daughters, I'm trying to break a lot of trends and there are consequences for actions. And there is resilience too, but... You can't help all kids. I think sometimes you just have to try and maybe take the higher ground and look at something like scaring them silly, scaring them not necessarily good. Scaring them straight. Yeah, there could be, you know, one out of five that might not. Some kids scare easy. They act like big tough boys around their group of friends. But I guarantee you, I reckon if a fella wanted to give them a cuddle or even just give them a little knock Mm. as they went past, it might be enough to just sort of, I don't know, Anything I think is worth a try. Scare young offenders straight is what Steph mm. is suggesting. What, mm. what else do you talk about, Steph? Oh, well, so the medicinal cannabis. I, I think it is good. I've seen, say, for rheumatoid arthritis, and it's monitored. I figure like any medication, they'll measure it, they'll monitor it, and they'll work out that right dose for the right person, their body weight, their tolerance. Um, I know a few people that can have it and they can still drive and they can still have a conversation. They're not stoned out of their brains. I think it lacks the THC in some of them. Also, I have my sister-in-law who recently... But you see, alcohol, alcohol, alcohol affects different people differently. In different ways, But we've come up with this uh, universal 0.05. I think that's just an easy rule that they've just kept... Because, because alcohol is a, is a legal substance that creates and earns a tax. Mm, yeah, okay. exactly. Okay, so yeah. so you've got 0.05. Now, some people at 0.05 are as silly as a, as a two-bob watch. Yep. Pens, yes, exactly. And some people, at twice that, you wouldn't even know they've had a drink. So we've yes. had to come up with a universal number. And so yeah. 0.05 it is. I say anything in your system. If you have any any little reading in your system... You shouldn't be driving. So you reckon it should be zero? It should be like drugs. If you have anything in your system, yeah. Okay, you reckon no point oh five zero, because yep. that's what it is for professional drivers, P-platers and L-platers. My dad was a 
a bus driver for many, many, many moons. Yeah. And he loved his beer. He loved his home brew. You were talking about making the home brew. Yeah, I used to uh, do it. Yep. Funny memories of, and the stories were if you walked into Steve's shed, it would depend on your tolerance. Sometimes you didn't walk out too easy because his homebrew was pretty good and pretty potent, apparently. I was too young to have but, it, obviously. But, but but would he know how strong it was? You see, I used a hydrometer. And a hydrometer is a gadget you buy, and it measures the weight of the beer. So you measure the weight when you first put it into the wort, and then when it's finished fermenting and stopped bubbling, say 12 days later, you measure it again. And then you do the calculation, and there's an app that I actually had on my phone, and it would do the calculation, and um, you measure up the two numbers, one at the beginning, one at the end, and it measured the weight of the alcohol, and it told you what the alcoholic content of your beer was. Yeah, so it's got more high tech since then. This was probably back in the yeah. uh, late I, 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, it was all guesswork. It was all guesswork. But, but, and he but people just, used he to. He knew what he was doing. He had his system, and I'll tell you what, it was a system in the shed. Oh, for, for sure. Yeah. But it was guesswork. But basically, the more malt or the more sugar you put in your home brew, the more alcoholic it's going to be. But that also can affect the taste. And some people used to get really proud at making 12%, 14%, 20% uh, home brew. But the thing is, you don't know where you are with it. When you buy alcohol from a retailer, the alcoholic content is on the labelling, correct? And everyone knows, yeah. And everyone knows. So if you choose to drink mid-strength, or, low, yep. or light beer, you go buy it and you know that's what you're getting. When you try somebody's home brew. You've got no idea. Yeah, no one. No one's there. So anyway, getting back to 0.05. So we came yeah. up with the national standard of 0.05. And the argument is everybody's different at 0.05. Everyone's different with anything, any tolerance, yeah. to any substance. But they had to come so, up with something. Yeah. They had to yeah. come up. So can they, I'm sure, uh, scientifically, there is a way of measuring the level of THC. So, yes, but, definitely. But then how do you, where do you decide is the safe level of THC? The way they decided here's the safe level of alcohol. Now, I think you quite successfully have argued here this morning that maybe it should be zero alcohol. Forget the 0.05, it should be zero if you're operating a motor vehicle. Well, why? yeah, I think so. We worry about people being on drugs on the road and I think, and I have smoked Many on and off, not now, mm. many on and off for the years. Yeah. And it has different effects to my moods. So good or bad. I'm pretty hypo. I'm a hyperactive person. I say undiagnosed ADHD for my generation. And for me, it does calm my mind. Apparently, my ex-husband told me it made me nicer. And mm. some days it would just nice, calm, wind down. Other days it would pet me up and I would do all my housework and I was never aggro on it. That's the one thing. I never got mm. aggro if I ever smoked a joint. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alcohol, on the other hand, I'm a descendant of Croatian Sicilian blood and I'm feisty. Alcohol and someone tip me off the wrong way, I can fly. I alcohol can get real tips aggro. you can, yeah. can tip you in the wrong direction. I, and I know my limits. I don't drink much these days being a mother, but I like to go out on the odd occasion, have a good drink and a good time. But the fighting obviously doesn't happen these days. It'd have to be pretty bad. But you're right. I don't think I've, in my whole life on this planet, be, growing up surrounded by people who smoke pot, this is just my observation. This is not a medical observation. It's just my observation. No, that's it. I don't think I've seen anyone, after having a bong or smoking no. a joint, become aggressive. Uh, my theory, I say this in the salon because I do have quite a few clean skin 
older, we'll say my parents' age, mm. and they're like, oh, it's the devil, my own mother says it. Oh, probably some of the best Pink Floyd songs ever written were with, really? da- with, da- with Dave Gilmore sitting in a beanbag having a, I don't know, Cat yeah. Stevens and Bob Dylan for sure. I but, know, right? But, but, anyway, but anyway, I have seen plenty of people become yep. aggressive on alcohol. Yes, yes, or aggressive when they don't have it. Huh? Uh, yeah, so my theory is that you never hear of a pothead king hitting anyone in the park. No, that's true. And it is so, it's my one go-to, and that just think, well, you know what? You can't even argue with that, because tell me who you've seen. Yeah. yeah Stoned no. and aggro. And, her- not- and heroin. Pl- plenty yeah. of people used to break into houses to steal money to get heroin, but people didn't commit violent crimes whilst high on heroin. Yeah, this is it. Anyway, I could talk to you all day, Steph. Steph, I've got to ask you, the uh, auntie that refused the niece a second slice of cake because she's worried that she's obese, did she do the right thing or not? I was actually writing point points down for this. Um, I think, too, we'll see. I've got two daughters that are very different builds, again, and I also have an auntie who has no children and is quite a firm, we'll say, authority, which I don't mind, too. Mm. But, no, I wouldn't like someone, if I was there, to tell my child no to that. I would probably, oh, well, if I was there, I would say, ask your mum. If it was me that was distributing the cake or whatever, and it was someone else's child. Um, if I wasn't there, anyone who has my children, their rules are their rules at the end of the day. So you That's, wouldn't, if, if you had a, can I use the word fat? Uh, Is that offensive? Well, I think just... Well, okay, if you had a fat niece or nephew, an obese niece or nephew, and they wanted a second slice of cake and you didn't think it was good for them, would you say something or would you give it to them? Well, I would, my daughter, I'll say, give it 20 minutes. If you're still hungry, you can have more. Yeah, my mum used to say, eat an apple. Yeah, well, that too. Go uh, and eat an apple and come back. Hey, Steph, one more question for you. Yep. This is this is a question for you without notice from me. Okay. Why is it that to have a trim at a hairdresser's if you're a, a male is much cheaper than a woman? Because if you're a good hairdresser, a men's haircut can take you like 10 minutes max. And I think cheaper time, women, mm, depending on the thickness of the hair, see, I think too – if I was making up prices, I'd probably charge accordingly to the effort, not do the stock according standard to, opposite to the alcohol. Okay, what if, what, if, <laughs> what if it was a woman with short hair? I've got some women that have pretty much clippers all over, and, um, yeah, some they get that little discount heading towards a men's haircut, definitely, yeah. because it is different. You're doing the same sort of thing. You're just getting the clippers running it over. Sometimes you don't even touch the scissors. Do you want to know what I learned when I, when I went to India? Mm-hmm. I, I learned that in a lot of the small villages where they have the arranged marriages, yeah, often the matchmaker or the person that would uh, inform the families of the village who was single and who was eligible was the hairdresser, because yeah. the hairdresser was the centre of the t- of the town's gossip. Yeah, you, you went to the hairdresser and you talked. And, and so, did. And so yeah. often it was the hairdresser that would go to the family and say, who, who had made, let's say, for example, an eligible son. Yes. And the hairdresser would knock on the door and say, well, guess what? Up the road here, um, their daughter is now eligible 
and could be a good match. And it was the hairdresser that did the, a lot of the matchmaking. They know. Oh, I say that. Because um, they knew the whole village. And you knew the, you know the family. I can, I've said it too. You talk to people for years doing their hair, sometimes people once a week. Every day that you work for four or five years or more, and I could guarantee you if their family walked in the salon and I never had met them before, I would know who they are just from speaking to them. There you, you are. Become, yeah. You are the centre of yep. the world of communication internationally, hairdressers. I think so. You, and it all depends what you do with it. You can be nice or you can be malicious. I think you should do your own podcast, all of you. You could call, uh-huh. you could call it Blow Dry FM. I don't know. <laughs> but, but honestly, the, the, the stories that hairdressers hear... You hear some pretty, yeah. I, I would love to, Steph. I would love you once a week to ring me with um, the, your head, your gossip of the week, without oh, me, without mentioning names. Yeah, yeah. Leave yeah. it with me. We'll okay. Out of it. All right, Steph. You're yeah. in the you're in the draw for call of the week. Thank you so much for calling. Legend. Awesome. Thanks very much. See ya. Bye bye. There you go. She, she was great, wasn't she? She had some good opinions, uh, some thought, well thought out opinions. I thought. What do you make of it? One triple three five three. Here's the telephone number, the night shift, Triple M. If you're um, trying to get through to us now on the night shift, just hold off your dialing finger for a sec. Uh, stay listening. I'll let you know when we have some phones available. But every line is taken up with someone who wants to have their say. And those people on hold, I will get to you very, very soon. So please be patient. Thank you. But just hold off on your dialing finger. We have no space left on the board. Um, it's chock-a-block, which it normally is. So I thank you to those people bringing in, wanting to have their say. If you suffer from sleep apnea and can't afford CPAP treatment, Sove CPAP Clinic, they offer interest-free payment plans for CPAP machines and accessories, allowing you to mix and match leading brands like ResMed, Philips, Fisher and Paykel to tailor the optimal treatment solution for you. For only a dollar up front, and between 25 and 54 bucks fortnightly for three years, do not let the cost of treatment hold you back. It's less than $4 a day. Visit Sove CPAP Clinic at sove.com.au. It's spelled S-O-V-E. CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Always follow the directions. When considering whether CPAP's right for you, speak to your doctor. Payment plans available for approved applicants only. Fees, terms, conditions, minimum amounts and exclusions apply. We've got an email here uh, from Tim. Cultures with arranged marriages usually have a male-dominated society where women are subservient. They have a low divorce rate because women who divorce their husbands are sometimes shunned by their society, friends and even family. That's on the better side of the scale. On the other end, a woman could be stoned to death for leaving her husband. You can't include arranged marriage data with data in other cultures. It's apples and rocks. The differences are large. That's not to say there aren't millions of happy arranged marriages. That is from Tim, who's a regular uh, contributor. Just for your information, Tim, the, uh, the families that we met in India and I have since met here in Australia that believe in arranged marriages, it's the mother that does all the decision-making. It's the mum and the sisters that do all the decision-making. Maybe, maybe it was very male-orientated back in the day, but I got a funny feeling that today's 
arranged marriages as far as Indian families are concerned. It's, it's mum and the sisters that, uh, that have, uh, whose opinions carry the most weight. Just, that's just my observation. Anyway, um, thanks for your, uh, your email, Tim. I always appreciate your, your input. One triple three five three. Quick break, be back. G'day, Vicky. Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Happy Thursday. What's, what's on your mind? Happy Thursday. I oh, was just calling regarding about the auntie that didn't give the niece her, the second. Yes, her obese, I'm using her words, her yes. obese niece wanted That's a second right. slice of cake at a family gathering. She said no. And she, and she said, I'm saving it for later. But then when the other nieces and cousins came up, she gave them all she a second. And, of course, then the other one found out. And now the, her sister, the mother of the, the niece that missed out, she's not talking to her anymore. She's asking That's the right. question, did I do the right thing? I'm trying to look after my niece. She's overweight. She doesn't need cake. It's, it's the mother's, it's the mother's yeah, uh, right. choice, isn't it? Did, uh, did, did she do the well, right, right thing or not? Well, if she, look, if she didn't give it to anyone else, then okay. Say, you know, leaving the piece for later. That's fine, but why? It's like you're singling out. Like I've been in a, I've always been a solid child, and an adult as well. Solid. That's one word. And I've never, and people just assume because of my size that I'm a big eater where I'm not. So, you go. You've got that part of you that you always think. And at one stage, when I was a teenager, I would. Eat, and then I would start to throw it up thinking, oh, maybe this will help me lose weight because I just couldn't lose weight prop like everyone else could. And you're basically, because of people saying you can't eat this, you're too fat and all that sort of stuff, mm. you don't know how her niece is going to react. Like she might turn into a anorexic or some or um, another um, eating disorder. Yeah, possibly. yeah, yeah. You've got to be very careful what you say to kids. That's right. And kids, you know, will remember all these, you know, when they become adults. But as well as that, you're giving it to the other kids because they're thin, but then you're not thinking, well, you're giving them more sugar. Yes, 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 yes. They can get diabetes. They can get other illnesses from that. So whose job is it to monitor what a child eats? Is it the parent or is it the concerned aunt? There's an old saying, it takes a village to raise a child. When is it time for the rest of the village to shut up? That's right. Well, like if the, for example, if the auntie had an issue, why didn't she speak to her sister first? Yeah, I know. Well, she's now the sister's not talking to her, and she's gone online to to tell tell everybody what's happened, and she's after advice. I would say, I would say, go back and apologise. Say I was out of line. But tell me this: if you're a teacher or a headmaster or headmistress, and you have a child at your school that is seriously overweight, do you report it? That if a child is really 10, 20 kilos overweight compared to the rest of the class, is that child abuse? Should it be reported? It could be because if the child, like for my, for myself, I was always an active child. I didn't sit around and doing that. But then if someone is really obese, like in my past job, I did see this child who was four years old that couldn't even get into a car because he was so obese, that the school did call over it because you've got to realise you're... If the kids, 
chubby and solid, that's a different story, and still active. But if the child's not been active, he's lost their colour in their skin and all that sort of stuff, then you might need to get help for the child. Uh, what do you do if you have a child that's too thin? Do you report that child? Does that reflect and, child abuse? And that can as well because are you feeding the child properly? That's right. Again, this is where you need to get, you know, the school might need to get involved well, and the parents might need to get, like, not involved in the sense of, like, to have a counsellor or something to speak to the child or even to get a dietitian. And find out because there are kids out there that only eat lollies and that is it. There are some kids at some schools that are only fed lollies. That's right. So is there something wrong at home? Is it is it the obligation of the headmaster or headmistress and the school to report any anomalies that they think is important to the authorities? Or, 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 or yeah. at what level is the school being too intrusive? The, the, well, law, the law states that if a school teacher recognises what they believe to be child abuse, they have to report it. Is, that's right. Is a child that's way overweight child abuse? I think that, firstly, with a school, they should actually speak to the parents and see what's going on. There might be something going on with the child or something at home. But is that the school's job? You've got a headmaster and you've got teachers that are trying to teach a curriculum, trying to educate. Do they pass that baton on to a professional, a guidance counsellor or, or, or somebody? They should have, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I just know as a teacher I, I've got so much to do. I've got lessons to prepare. I've got exams to mark. I've got playground duty. I've got bus duty. Oh, shit, this weekend I've got an excursion I've got to go on to. And now I've got to work this one out. That's over my head. Pass it on to someone who's an expert. I don't know. Maybe no, I'm wrong. Yeah, that, well, that's what. The school should be able to turn around and go, maybe, you know, yeah. have a counsellor always there. Or... Let me ask you this, Vicky. You said when you were growing up, you, you used the word solid. So you were a thick, thickly built uh, girl. That's right. Yeah. Were you okay with that or did you feel self-conscious? I always felt self-conscious with mm, it mm. and I would exercise, I would do everything like, and I still do, like, I'm in my 40s now and I'm, if you go on the scale, they'll classify you as an obese where I don't look obese. But how did it affect you growing up? Were, were, always, were you teased? Teased all the time. Mm. Always got teased at school and that would be a part that will always stick with you and stuff. And then you'll get to a stage that, oh, okay, maybe if I skip meals when you became a teenager, that's what I started doing, oh, skip meals. And that didn't do anything. It didn't even actually, I didn't even lose any weight from that. Mm. And then after that, because you're skipping meals, then you'll start binging. Yes. You get hungry. So God. Catch 22. Kids are so sensitive. So, yeah. so sensitive. Um, listen, nice to talk to you, Vicky. Thank you so much. No problems. Thank you. Please And please call back any time, okay? Thanks. The night shift around Australia on the triple M. So when is it the teacher's or the headmaster or headmistress's job to interfere if they think a child isn't being raised properly? When is it interfering? Was this aunt interfering or was she caring, genuinely caring for her niece 
and at the same time telling her sister she wasn't being a good parent, I think. The Night Shift, Triple M. The Night Shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. The Quickie coming up in an hour. Have a listen to it on our podcast. You'll hear the Quickie. You'll hear today's clue. And so when I ask for calls in an hour from now, you'll be, you'll be ready to go. And it has to go off today because it cannot be played tomorrow for certain programmable reasons, which is a clue on its own. If you don't want bugs like flies, mosquitoes, ants, fleas, cockroaches, or dust mites hanging around, get yourself the Pestrol Premium Bug-Free Bundle. It's going to repel all the pests and a whole lot more. It is user-friendly. It's programmable. And it features a remote control, the Bug-Free Bundle. And it's, it's made by using natural pyrethins. And it covers a generous area of 150 square metres indoors, 5 by 5 metre radius outdoors, and it comes with two Pestrol premium dispensers and multiple refills. It'll get you through the whole insect season. The Pestrol premium bug-free bundle from Pestrol, only 129 bucks. Remember, it comes with a warranty, money-back guarantee. It works. Just use the code BUGOFF. For this exclusive offer, free delivery anywhere in Australia, pestrol.com.au. Got an email here from James. Hi, Luke. I find it very hard to believe that Woolworths has lost over $700 million in profit. They have screwed customers since COVID started and probably well before that. I don't believe for a second they lost anything. They gained more profit. The CEO is retiring with a huge payout, just like good old mate CEO of Qantas. There is too much of a monopoly within Australia when it comes to groceries. They are the money launderers of the grocery world. Politicians clearly have stocks in West Farmers and other corporations because they won't and don't lift a finger when everyday Aussies are ripped off by such corporations. Some hitting stuff there, James. James, thank you for um, for your, your feedback. Nightshift at triplem.com.au. So, yes, uh, the big news, and you'll hear it today, and you'll see it on your television news services, um, that the CEO of Qantas, Brad Banducci, has given it away. He retired yesterday. And this is right after that very embarrassing interview went to wear on Four Corners where he was being questioned about price gouging and comments made by people like Alan Fells and Rod Sims, formerly of the ACCC, and Fair Trading. And he couldn't cope with it. He, um, he got up and said, I've had enough of this. He, he cho- and that, you do not do that. When you become a CEO of a massive company like Woolworths, don't, don't you have basic training in what to do and what not to do in front of the media? You would think. I never want to be a CEO. It's too much pressure. Yeah, I wouldn't mind being a CEO, so long as I didn't have a, a board to answer to or shareholders to answer to. I think the thing, if you're a manager or a CEO, everyone's always looking at you. Well, what that's, you right. that's your next? job. But that's your job. If you don't like it, don't put your hand up. I'll keep mine down. 
keep your hand down then. And if you go, no guts, no glory, mate. Yeah. Okay? No guts, no glory. So if you think you can lead a company better than the person before you, put your hand up, run for the board, do your numbers. It's like playing politics and become a CEO. But you've got to remember what your core product is. And with Woolworths, it's selling real estate. That is buying blocks of land, building shopping centres, building Woolworths, and then selling the shelf space to each individual um, buyer. Yes, they call themselves Woolies the Fresh Food People. They're in the business of selling us groceries. But they're really, Thomas, they're really in the business of selling real estate. And that is the prime shelf space in their supermarkets. And selling that prime real estate, everything that's at eye level is prime real estate. We, we know, we've got to get Dick Smith on. Dick Smith, when he had his home brand products, struggled to get into Woolies and Coles. And I've got a funny feeling he didn't get into Woolies. He got into Coles. But his products were always down near the floor. You had to really go searching for it because Kellogg's cornflakes and Nutrigrain is right at eye level. Why? They pay for that real estate. And that's what it's all about. So then if you want to go into politics and start preaching to us and start going woke and telling us that you're not going to sell Australia Day merchandise and then say, oh, it's because we don't get much call for it. There's an old saying, never bullshit a bullshitter. (laughs) And Graham Richardson once said, the mob will always sort you out. And so here you are. Woolworths yesterday announced a $781 million loss. Also amongst their losses was their chief executive, Brad Banducci, who should have stayed in his lane. And Woolworths and Coles should concentrate on selling groceries at the best possible price, but that's not their uh, initiative and that's not their motive. Why? Because between them, they have 82% of the supermarket business here in Australia. And it's just like Alan Joyce when Qatar Airways said, well, hang on, we'll pick up the slack on these flights from Australia back to Europe and back to the United States and back to the UAE. And Qatar Airlines said, we'll put on flights where Qantas is refusing to. And the federal government, for reasons known only to themselves, said no to Qatar Airways. And they blocked the competition from Qantas. And competition means better prices. It would have meant lower airfares for Australians had Qatar been able to pick up those flights. And if there, were, if there was another big supermarket trader in, us, in Australia, besides Woolworths and Coles, the smaller players, Costco, Aldi, IGA, they pick up the rest of the slack. But with, the, with there only being two big players, a massive duopoly, that hampers competition, which means it hampers prices. So it's up to the regulatory body. Proving price gouging, that's chasing a rabbit down a rabbit hole you'll never, ever win with. It's very, very hard to prove price gouging. Very, very hard indeed.
But Woolworths and Coles would have more incentive to have cheaper food on their shelves if there was more competition. I am not by any stretch of the imagination an economist or an expert in retail. But for most of my life, I've been a shopper. And most of my professional life, I've been involved in advertising. And I know what works and I know what doesn't work. And let me just tell you this. And any other CEO of any other company, have a look at what happened to Qantas when Alan Joyce decided to get woke. And instead of selling airline tickets and went about selling tickets on flights that have been cancelled and also started to preach to us about the voice referendum. You go woke, you go broke. Same with Woolworths and the Australia Day merchandise that they refused to sell, and it backlashed. You go woke, you go broke. I'll tell you something I've learned in my short time on this planet. Australians hate being patronised and they hate being preached at. It's just an opinion. You're listening to The Night Shift. This is The Night Shift. The Night Shift on the Triple M Network. Yeah, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Don't start preaching to us about what's right and what's wrong. Don't make people feel guilty about Australia Day. Don't carry on with all that bullshit. Sell us groceries at the best possible price and pay the farmers who are supplying your stores with the best possible price. Then we'll sit up and take notice. Shift your night into gear. My brain starts getting weird this time of night. Shift your way of thinking. What are you thinking about? The night. It's going to be a good night. Shift on the Triple M Network. Good day, Andrew. Hey, how you going, Lou? Good, good, thanks, buddy. Happy Thursday. Yeah, no worries. Well, it's Wednesday night for me, so I just carried over. Where are you? Where are you? Oh, we're doing night shift just in uh, Burwood. Burwood. Yeah. There's well, there's a Burwood in Sydney. There's a Bur- Burwood, Burwood in Victoria. Melbourne. Burwood, Victoria. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's well, where you are. It's a quarter past two on Thursday morning. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, nearly finished. I'm pretty much finishing up. Good, good on you. Bad. Good on you, Andrew. Thanks for ringing in and thanks for listening. What's up? Um, all right. So I wanted to talk about uh, the auntie. Right, the auntie who refused to give her obese niece a second slice of sponge cake. Uh, did she do the right thing or not? Well, I reckon, uh, first of all, how old was the, the daughter? Was it doesn't say. It, okay. It, it doesn't say. Uh, yeah, what, I wish I knew. What I, I want to say is um, if, if it's an older person, they're probably going to take it a little bit, I don't know, easier maybe. When I got told something that made me feel crap about my weight, I turned it into a, a motive to get myself, you know, on track. But some people can't do that. And doing it to a kid, they don't know anything different. When they miss out on something, all they see is punishment, and they refer that to punishment. So then they're just going to think that they're being penalised for being overweight. You can't give a bunch of kids a second slice of cake and not one. That I don't believe you can do that. It should have been no second slices for everyone. Or she just just should have given the niece a second slice um, with her mother's permission. Well, another thing is, well, you, you don't go fat shaming young kids. I, I don't believe it's up to the parent, isn't it, to police what goes down the gob of a child? Yeah, but calm the auntie as well. Like 
wouldn't she, if she actually wants to do something to help her, her niece, why doesn't she take her to the park out of her time, you know? Like, it's like, I, I think that keeping active and getting yourself into an active sport or active, you know, anything is much more important than eating. I actually think that 100%, and it still is today, because my activities is how I, how I maintain my weight more than what I do in my eating. My eating's pretty good, but I just kind of watch it. But I still overindulge. I'll just say bags of lollies and that. But yeah, I'll- but if you had a niece or a nephew at a party that was overweight and they asked for a second slice of cake, would you give it to them or not? Oh, if, Is it your job to say no? You'd say, I would just be like, yeah, no, it's fine. If, if, that's what, if, if the mum says you're allowed to eat it, no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she was asking for trouble. If you've just joined us, there's a story online about a woman that's asking for advice. Uh, she's being criticised for her cruel behaviour towards her overweight niece. Overweight in inverted commas. It's what's written here. The 32-year-old recently hosted a family gathering and judged her oldest sister for indulging her daughter with food despite the child being extremely overweight by 10 kgs, the story says. The woman prepared a healthy salad and chicken for the meal and baked a sponge cake for dessert. Well, maybe that's her problem. Maybe she shouldn't have baked the sponge cake. Yeah, if she wants to help her, why would she buy yeah, a that... cake of sponge cake? Yeah. <laughs> maybe so that's... There's, there's, I'm sure there's healthy option. Right? A fruit salad or something, you know? Like... Why didn't she make fruit salad if she's that, <laughs> yeah. con- if she's that concerned yeah. about her niece having a second slice of sponge cake? Why did she make the sponge cake? If she, yeah. if she wanted to be the calorie police, why didn't she make a fruit salad? Yeah, that's it. Eh? Yeah, no, anyway, can, uh, anyway, so uh, then, hopefully she doesn't resent her. Though. I don't think like she obviously like she cares about her niece. That's that's what you're hearing in the story. She does it because she cares about her, but she just obviously went went about it the wrong way. She just needs to, I don't know, maybe be there to support her niece and maybe go take her to the park. Or well, here's my next question then: If schools are by law required to report what they see to be child abuse. If you have a child that's massively overweight, should you report that? Is that child abuse? Like, I, like, when, I, when I grew up, I was pretty skinny. Like, I was ridiculously skinny. I was very thin, but my older brother was always big. It was huge compared to me. I was like, we, we, the brothers will both try to eat the same, I can assume, but, you know, it's what do you do? Like, we both got raised in the same household. We've both gone to the same school. If he was um, big, what, how could they go, oh, he must be getting abused or something like that? Yeah. You can't report that. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, are we getting there? I mean, we have now children coming home and in their lunchbox or in their, in their school bag, there's a note from the school saying, please don't pack cake. Please don't pack chocolate slice. It's unhealthy. It doesn't suit our healthy eating criteria that we now have introduced at the school. And you have teachers preaching to parents, telling them that they're packing the wrong school lunch. It's already started. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I, I, I can't tell. I pack my kids' lunches pretty healthy, so I can't. Well, wait. Just wait until you pack something that somebody, that the, that the calorie police at the school don't agree with. You might get a note. You never know. Andrew, thanks for your call. All right. Thanks. Good on you, buddy. Call back anytime. One triple three five three is the number. Jason, hello. G'day, Luke. How are you doing, mate? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. 
Uh, just want to bring up the subject of uh, legalising marijuana. Yes, it's up for discussion. Yes, again next Wednesday in Queensland. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I I can't see a problem with them decriminalising it. Um, people are going to smoke it no matter what what happens. Uh, they're going to get it illegally. Um, there are clinics that you can get stuff from. Um, unfortunately, I don't qualify because of my mental health illness. Uh, I have schizophrenic tendencies, so I've uh, been rejected. Uh, my wife suffers with fibromyalgia, which is a, a pain disease, and she smokes it for for pain relief. So she, she had a doctor's certificate? Uh, no. no. So you had to buy it illegally to relieve your wife of her pain? Yeah. So, and how do you? I was about to say, how do you find it illegally? I mean, if any anything that's illegal can be bought, can't it? So, you, you found someone that sold pot. Sorry. How did she find the pot? Uh, well, I've got some contacts. There, you had contacts. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I've got some friends that smoke, and they put me onto the. How much? How much is it? Uh, it depends how much you buy. For if you buy an ounce, it's usually about two hundred and sixty dollars. What? How much is an ounce? Can you? What's yeah, an ounce? Twenty-eight grams. Hey, it's twenty-eight grams. Okay, now your average pouch of tobacco is twenty-five grams, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so it's like a pouch of the, like a pouch of tobacco. Yeah. Okay, how long would that last you? Uh, that lasts us usually about two three weeks. Okay, and how much was it again for twenty five grams? Uh, two hundred and sixty dollars. Four hundred bucks. No, two hundred. Two hundred. Two hundred and sixty dollars. Two hundred and sixty bucks for twenty five or twenty eight grams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, and and my, my wife's been smoking since she was thirteen. Yeah. Uh, the main reason she was sexually abused by her stepdad, and that continued all the way until she was about twenty one. Um, and she she gets flashbacks, and um, she has uh, post traumatic stress disorder and bipolar disorder, and a few other mental illnesses that I want. And the cannabis helps, does it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, can you go to a doctor, and can a doctor prescribe cannabis like they can in some states in America? Yeah, well, I I went through the process not long ago. Um, I spoke to my doctor because I suffer with severe anxiety. Um, and I went to my doctor and I said, look, what's the chance of me getting medicinal cannabis to combat my anxiety? And she was all for it. She said, yeah, no problems. We'll get in touch with someone. Um, they have a clinic in Frankston here in, uh, Victoria where I, I put in all the paperwork, but unfortunately I got knocked back because, um, I have, um, uh, schizophrenic tendencies. Um, so I got knocked back, but my wife's looking at other um, place where my wife is at the moment. She's in a mental health rehab centre. They're trying to get her um, additional uh, cannabis oil. Okay, yeah. Well, well, I wish you and your wife all the very best, Jason, and thank you very much for calling. I hope it all works out, mate. All right. Okay, you. because a lot of people self-medicate. And if it's not with cannabis, it could be with a legal drug like alcohol. And self-medicating with alcohol can be tragic, can't it? And alcohol is completely legal. But as I said earlier, how do we get down to 
where's the safe level of THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the chemical in cannabis that gets you high, how do we measure how much THC is allowed in your system in order for you to be able to drive safely? See, this is where I need education. I have no idea. And and to be honest, I still scratch my head with 0.05 with alcohol because that's the national standard. But there are people who don't react well to alcohol at 0.05. And there are some people who at 10 times that limit, you'd never know had had a drink. Everybody's body's different. But you've got to come up with some line in the sand. And we came up with 0.05. And you can, if you're responsible, you can measure how much alcohol is is in in your system because the alcohol you buy at the shop is labelled. And you can work out how much alcohol is in a mid-strength, a low-alcohol beer, or a full-strength. It's it's written on the product. And spirits, it's written. We know how many standard drinks you can have in an hour that gets you to 0.05 and then keeps you there if you are responsible. Let me stress again, 0.05 is still low range. You have to be under 0.05. But you see what I'm saying? But with THC, we don't know what that level is. It's never been, it's never been measured. As to, it's never been decided as to what level of THC in your system means that you're, you're safe to drive. Maybe it's none. Had a caller earlier on. Was it Jennifer, the hairdresser from Albury? She believes it should be zero alcohol as well. She believes zero, just like if you're on your P's or your L's or you're a professional driver. She she says it should be zero alcohol. No alcohol should be tolerated in your blood when you're driving a motor car. At the moment, it's 0.05. What do you make of it? One triple three five three is the number. This is the night shift on Triple M. Harvey Danger here on the night shift on the Triple M network. Um, yeah, a couple of people have now just dropped off. Since midnight, we have had a full board of calls, and we nearly do now, but a couple of spaces have just uh, popped up. Some people couldn't wait on. So if you have been trying to get through, now's a good time. Uh, if you can't wait on, just tell Thomas, and we can call you back if you want. But uh, it's up to you. But you can try and get through now, One triple three, five three. the quickie coming up in half an hour. Look, you've heard me talking about Nature B Power Pollen. Dr. Gillian Webster is an immunologist. She is a completely uh, individual immunologist that has spent six years researching the health benefits of pollen. She's in New Zealand at the university, and she has spent six years of her life looking at the health benefits of pollen. She is a PhD, and she's a professor of immunology. And pollen has been fascinating her for years. And I spoke to her on the radio some time ago. This is what Dr. Gillian Webster, immunologist, has to say about pollen. It's a food substance and and, and it's complex and its origin is to protect all aspects of the hive, including all the different bee functions and protecting them from disease and giving them energy and vitality. Um, I'm particularly keen on pollen for its role in supporting our immune system, which 
as you know, is, is not only involved in fighting infections, but also our immune system helps us repair injuries and also is involved in lots of other bodily functions. So I like it because it actually contains in one dose, if you like, um, everything that's needed to keep my immune system functioning in tip-top condition and helps it regenerate after it's been used to fight infection or, you know, repair my training damage. Dr. Gillian Webster, immunologist, spent six years studying the health benefits of pollen. And that's her there. I mean, she's looked at the science of pollen. Weight for weight, pollen has more calcium than milk, more protein than red meat, and more iron than spinach. It's all natural. It's a natural food. So if you're feeling a bit down, you t- well, I suggest you take two Nature Bee Power Pollen capsules every day. But if you're feeling a little bit, uh-uh, take a couple more later that day. You can't overdose in it. It's a food. It's not a drug. It's not a medicine. And there is a special deal now. You're going to get a week's supply of Nature Bee for free. Just go to powerpollen.com.au. You'll see my face, so you know you're at the right place. Nature Bee, powerpollen.com.au. Uh, your page is twenty nine ninety five for your usual Nature Bee, but um, you're going to get a week for free. And remember, if Nature Bee Power Pollen doesn't do everything I've said, money back guarantee. You have nothing. If you go and buy vitamins at the uh, supermarket or at the chemist, there is no money back guarantee. And with a lot of these vitamins, you don't know where they've been made by people, men and women in white lab coats. This is nature. And you've heard what everyone has to say about it. Powerpollen.com.au. Give it a go. Quick break. Be back. Uh, on Trucky Tuesday with Rod Hannafy, we brought to uh, everybody's attention the dangers of not approaching railway crossings with caution. And uh, I told the story of uh, how many years ago I used to drive from Bathurst to Young. Uh, a lot, and I was approaching a railway crossing in a little town called Kurawatha, and I was daydreaming. I was playing my music, and I was bopping along, and if it wasn't for the train sounding its siren and ringing its bells, I was going to be squashed. I had to hit the brakes, and um, I remember the driver, as he went past, waving his finger. It was, it was, it was frightening. And I was just, I was daydreaming. Um, and then on our Facebook page this week, Thomas, you put footage that was sent to us of a goods train narrowly missing a truck by maybe a meter. It was frightening. The yeah, video this, the video was actually on board the train. That's right. Yeah, this uh, footage, thanks to Nine Years, was of a very near miss, uh, inches away, a truck goes over a railway crossing uh, just before a train is about to. And as mm. you said, it's it's horrifying. Now, these near misses happen all over Australia. And sadly, tragically, there are fatal crashes that happen all over Australia. And most of these crashes happen in outback regional areas where they don't have boom gates. And um, when the trains come along, the train makes a noise from its siren and it's up to the motorist to approach the railway crossing with caution. Now, there's got to be a better way. Now, 
I think that putting in boom gates and red flashing lights on every single railway crossing in Australia would cost millions and millions and millions of dollars. Is there a way to do it cheaper? Could you not have detectors on the railway line, say, three kilometres from the crossing, and it sends a message to a solar-panelled boom gate that comes down? Because nothing like a boom gate would stop you. The boom gate comes down, ding, 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 and it's powered by solar power. I'm talking about trying to do it as cheaply as possible. Is that an idea? Those of you who are out there that cross over railway crossings regularly, and to any train driver listening that's had a near miss, can you give me a call? Tell me, what do you think the solution is? David is a truckie, and he's online with some thoughts. G'day, Dave. Hey, Luke, how you going? I'm very well. I'm really glad that you rang in. Thanks so much. This okay. is It's a really important topic because I can't believe how many close calls there are around Australia. And I've had both truckies and train drivers contact me saying, look, there has to be a massive national road safety campaign aimed at exactly this because those railway crossings in regional and outback Australian areas, well, they don't have um, boom gates. They don't have bells and whistles and noises. Uh, there are signs saying railway crossing ahead, proceed with caution. But this footage that we saw, and you, you'll see it on our Facebook page, is absolutely frightening, and I'm told it's a regular occurrence. Yeah, well, I've, seen, I've seen that footage, and, yeah, it is scary. Um, like a few days a few days ago in Victoria here on the northeast line between somewhere, somewhere between Craigman and Seymour, there was Thomas will know what these are. The uh, the V line sprinter cars. They're like a um, a huge uh, V line coach bus, and they usually yeah. run ten. They usually run two or three, two or three hooked together at a time between Seymour and uh, Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and the, and this particular one actually hit a dump truck. A what truck? A dump truck. Like it, it hit the it hit the truck that with that much force. A dump truck, like a it. like a garbage truck. No, no, um, dump truck like uh, carries dirt and stuff. Okay, sorry, pardon me. Keep going. Um, yeah, and it hit the truck with that much force. A it actually truck. ripped the. Actually, ripped the body of the, the truck off the off the back of the truck. Yes. Uh, luckily, the um, there's like 165 passengers on board, but luckily there's very very little um, injuries, if any. Um, everybody's able to walk off the train, and it's all good and well. But it but, happens. But these close calls happen all the time. But there are fatalities yeah, that happen, yeah. and I've had calls and emails from Tasmania saying it's just as bad yeah. in Tasmania. Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm, as the, um, the bloke you were talking to last night, who was a truck driver turned train driver. Yes, he was good, wasn't um, he? What was his name? He was yeah. great. In fact, yeah. he may he may end up being caller of the week. I thought he was great. Yeah, no, but what what he said was absolutely spot on, one hundred percent. It's not the boom gates that's the issue. Yeah, I mean, your suggestion of putting the solar powered ones in was absolutely brilliant. Um, but well, I, I don't know if it's brilliant, but I'm just saying if a boom gate works and a ding, 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 uh, 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 flashing lights 
for the road traffic approaching the crossing, a boom gate that comes down, and it's triggered by a sensor on the tracks three kilometres up the up the trail. Um, that's got to help. And if part of the cost is getting electricity to these railway lines all over Australia, why not have them solar panelled? That that's just how my brain worked. Oh yeah, exactly. But that only that that only solves seventy percent of the issue. Uh, the biggest issue is the biggest disease of them all, which is stupid, and that's one thing you can't solve. Um, like I nearly got smashed at Kurawatha between uh, Bathurst and Cowra, and uh, it was me driving along, listening to my music, daydreaming. And if it wasn't for that train driver sounding his horn, I was gone. And, and it, it, it's affected me forever. I'll never do it again. No, exactly. Uh, but being from a, from a Gunzel's point of view, which I am a major Gunzel, uh, I trace trains all over the place. And the things that, you know, things that I've seen and the things that other um, Gunzels have seen would absolutely blow your mind. I mean, yeah. I, was, I, was, I sat at a uh, level crossing mm. waiting for a train to get a bit... Uh, video footage of, and you see these the boom gates are down. Yes, and these drivers they just go around the boom gates. Yeah, and, and continue on. I've heard that. Stay there, David. Don't you go away. On the other line is Brendan, who is a train driver. Brendo, good day. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Thank you for calling in. You're a train driver. That's correct. Okay, got David the trucky on the other line. I'm going to put you guys together. You go. You've heard what David's had to say, Brendan. From a train driver's perspective, what's the answer? I don't know what the answer is. I, I could just, if I want to unload on truckies, mate, we see them coming, they see us coming. We watch them speed up to race us at, at level crossings. We do. We see them speed up weekly at the same level crossings. And they get to know the speed we're coming at. So that, that incident that you saw the video of recently, Yep. If, if you go back and watch it, the train passes a 55k an hour speedboard just before it gets to the road crossing. The trucks would know that that's how fast it's you know, it's not coming at 80k or 100k. The trucks know that it's a bit slower than normal. And they race us, they do. They do set races. Are you serious? Mate, ask every other train driver in Australia to ring in. They'll tell you. We watch them race us all the time. We, we work in a dangerous job, but this is the thing that scares me the most because it's the only thing I can't control. And I've had a fatality. I've had, I've had someone go on and need to be trained. Oh, no. What happened? Poor bloke was on the phone in a four-wheel drive. If he had to just stop like he should have, um, he would have been right. But he on the phone and uh, straight up in front of us. When you saw him approaching, did you sound your horn? We we sounded our horn. It was actually on an access road beside the track, um, which they found in the investigation. He shouldn't have been out in that part of the, the network. But um, he sort of he stopped parallel to the track. Um, we come up behind him, and just as we got there, he you said ask any train driver in australia you've just done that one triple three five three brendan has rung he's a train driver he says that some trucks and vehicles try and race the train they see it coming it's not a matter of not being visible brendo is saying they see it coming and they try and race it dave the trucker you're on the other line what do you say to that uh, I'm not surprised. That absolutely happens. I mean, I've got a, uh, a video at home of uh, when the Flying Scotsman was down here in Australia 
1988 visiting. It was travelling between Parks and Broken Hill at the point at this point in time, I think it was, and you can see, literally see the truck tra- uh, racing the train for the crossing. Mm, Jesus. And the trucks, yeah, might, the trucks say they can't stop it. We, can, we, we take longer to stop than a truck does. A train driver the other night, Brendo, told I said, um, if you're fully laden, and he said, well, look, uh, 16,000 ton. Does that sound right, Brendo? Oh, well, we're all different. There's passenger trains and army. Okay, know, okay, but he's a fa- So he said about seventeen thousand ton. He said it takes two and a half kilometres to come to a full stop. It can with some trains, absolutely. And yet, truck drivers and other vehicles try and race to get to the crossing well, first. Well, the time we realised yep. that, that they're going to be in front of us, that they're going to be there. We can put the brakes on, but all we're doing is just going through the motions. We're not going to stop the train. Dave. Yeah, mate. So I'm not, I'm not... It's a, it takes a lot more to stop a train than it does a truck or a four-wheel drive or a vehicle for that matter. So what's got me scratching my head now is that Brendo, who drives trains, says he sees this all the time and he's sadly, tragically been part of a fatality it's not about being visible. People see the train, but still try and beat it. You can't. Uh, uh, would boom gates work, Brendo? Oh, some cases absolutely, but then there is cases, as Dave said, that they'll drive around if they've got. The, if they think they've got the time. As far as you, what you said with sensors, we have sensors on quite a few crossings. Yes. That activate the crossings when we're a certain distance out, and we have to maintain the speed. If we pick up the speed. And we beat beat the lights. Like if we get there before the lights, then we get in trouble. That gets reported straight through to um, our regulators. Yes. There is already stuff in place at the major crossings, a lot of major crossings, to, to do that. But then again, that one New Year's Eve out near Broken Hill. Yeah. You only have to look look up Google Earth, and you can see open plains, curved curved road. The truck truck would have seen the train coming. So it's you not know, about visibility. It, Brendan's saying, okay, well, Brendan said, you ask other train drivers to ring in. I'm asking, one triple three five three. Brendan. We, we, have whistle, we have whistle boards before every crossing to remind us to hit the, hit the horn. Yes. Um, we, we get downloaded. Yes. We, download, we got black box that gets downloaded quite often, and they check to make sure we're doing all these things right. Mm. You know, we, we are being held to standards, you know, every day. Yeah, sure. All right, well, it's a big problem. It's a big problem, and you know it, Brendan. You, you, you've, you've told me just now that you've seen it, and you see it every day. And that, yeah. and that footage on our Facebook, which was from Channel 9, absolutely frightening. Folks, if you have access to Facebook, go to the Night Shift on Triple M and watch the footage. And imagine being that train driver watching that. Um, you've seen the footage, David, haven't you? I have, yes. And Brendan's, It's very scary. It's frightening. It is. Not only that, like I said, the things I've seen will, will curl your toes. I mean, I've seen people, I've seen cars where somebody has drive the drive the car, literally drive the car up to the crossing, mm. put the train, put the uh, car on the track, get out of the car and walk away from it. Why would you do that? Stupid. I don't know. I don't know either. David, I, I thank you for calling up, mate. You drive safely. No worries, mate. Thank you. Brendan, thank you for calling up. 
Not a problem. It Thank mu- you very much. It must give you nightmares. That uh, fatality that you were involved in, did they give you support? Yeah, you know, companies, the company's really good. They, um, they give you as much time as you need. They, yeah, they, they were great. All right. Well, I'm, I'm really, really sorry that that happened to you. Yeah. Oh, it's one of the things, that I think there's stats that says one in every seven train drivers will have a fatality in his career. Really? I think that's the stat they go with. It could be different by now, but I'm pretty sure that was it. And there's right. a lot of train drivers around the country. All right. Listen, you take care, Brendo. I really appreciate you uh, chiming in. Okay, thanks very much. Brendan, a train driver, sees it all the time and was, in fact, involved in a fatality at a railway crossing. You heard the story. Dreadful, dreadful stuff, eh? The Night Shift on Triple M. Yeah, you see, I think that's scientifically incorrect. I've heard thunder when it's not raining. I think they've got it wrong there. One triple three, five. I just think of these things, Thomas. I just think of these funny things. All these years, Fleetwood Mac. Oh, really? It's thunder. Oh, it must be raining. No, it's not. Well, hang on. Stevie Nicks said it does. What? Yeah. Thunderbolts of lightning. Very, very frightening. Me. Galileo. <laughs> I see. I just reacted. I just reacted like a Pavlov dog then, didn't I? Really, I know you would. I, I just... That's why I did it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do you. You ready? Go. Sweet Caroline. Blah, blah, blah. See? <laughs> I think it's in the Australian kind of bloodline. People know. People know when to do it. Am I ever going to see your face again? No, no stop, stop, stop. That... <laughs> stop there. All right. What? How do we get up with this? One triple three five three is the telephone number. If you suffer from sleep apnea but can't afford CPAP, (laughs) that was very good. If you suffer from sleep apnea but can't afford CPAP treatment, Sove, S O V E, Sove CPAP Clinic, uh, they are the sleep specialists and if you need treatment they can organize bulk billing but you've got to contact them just contact them if you already have a CPAP machine and you want to upgrade they have all the leading brands ResMed, Philips, Fisher and Paykel and they can tailor a treatment just for you only a dollar up front between 25 54 bucks fortnightly for three years it's less than three dollars a day it's a cup of coffee or you could just contact them say listen I, I snore my missus is telling me I snore. And in fact, she, she reckons I stop breathing. Can I get tested? And they will look after you. But make the contact. It could save your life, save your marriage. S-O-V-E, sove.com.au. CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Always follow the directions. When considering whether CPAP's right for you, speak to your doctor. And there are payment plans available for approved applicants. Fees, terms, conditions, minimum amounts and exclusions apply. Take a quick break. Those callers on hold, stay there. I will get to every single one of you. But the quickie is next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty then, uh, it's quickie time. This quickie has to be one today. In fact, Thomas and I are going to make sure it's one today because it can't 
rollover to tomorrow for certain programming reasons. I've never seen a quickie rollover before. Yes, well, it happens, Thomas, from time to time. Um, you probably need the right uh, equipment to be able to film it, but it does happen. What does it look like? I can't begin to tell you. Um, but uh, the quickie cannot roll over. Um, there are certain TV stations where you can watch it. I think you need parental guidance pin numbers. But uh, the quickie can't roll over tomorrow for certain programmable reasons, so it has to be one today. So it sounds like this. Now, the clues so far. So Rolling Stone readers voted as their third favourite yeah. song from this artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And today, it's 1970s. It's a 70s song. It's a 70s song, folks. Sounds like this. One triple three five three is the phone number. We have to get rid of it. If we don't get rid of it between now and the top of the hour, we'll give you another clue. But it has to go. Uh, Andy's online. G'day, Andy. Yeah, mate. How you doing, Luke? Good morning to you. How are you? Very well, my friend. How are you? I'm fantastic. What's up? Uh, oh, working hard, working the night shift, mate. What do you do? I uh, work for Kimberly Clark Millison, um, making toilet paper. Well, mate, you, you have Australia's behind at heart. We do indeed. That's a good slogan, isn't it? Yeah, it is a great slogan. I, I prefer there's heaps of arseholes in the world, but that's, that's a good one too. The, well, no, hang on, hang on. Would you like us to come up with a slogan that we can put to your board and the best slogan wins a prize, like a year's supply of toilet paper or something like that? Oh, you would have to speak to the marketing department, mate. Okay, let's, marketing department of Kimberly Clark, Millicent, right? They make the top. Okay. So um, if we can come up with a slogan that they take on with a national campaign, the winner of that slogan here on the night shift will win a year's supply of toilet paper. Put that to us. <laughs> Here's like, one. Kimberly. Kimberly Clark, we've got your ass covered, Australia. <laughs> Here's one, one, and our callers will come up with better ones. Yeah. But it could be anything. <sighs> Jesus, I worry about you. Um, one triple three five three, a great slogan for a toilet paper company. We put your behind in front of us. Swipe left, swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> that could get messy. That one. <laughs> that could be the next slogan. Yeah. <laughs> What's a good slogan? We've got your ass covered. Is mine one triple three five three? Anyway, Andy, who is it? Kimberly Clark, is it? It is, mate. And you make toilet paper, or is it two ply, three ply, four ply? What is it? Oh, we've got all sorts. Well, what's no four ply? But three is our best. Three ply. And how we do a single ply? We do. Oh, you wouldn't want a single. You wouldn't want a single. Especially not that stuff at the servos, but we do do it. Oh yeah. You know the waxy one? That's never real good. The wa- we used to have the waxy one at school, in primary school. It was like wiping your ass with um grease proof proof paper that you know you make you bake cakes with. Yeah, that's terrible. That's still around today, Oh, that was dreadful. Hang on, Andy, stay there. Ross, good day. Morning, mate. How are you? Good thanks, buddy. What have you got? Uh toilet tissue for all your issue. Thank you, Ross. That's, we'll, we'll hang on to that one, Ross. Thank you. No worries, buddy. But that kind of comes on the back of another one. I forget the brand. What's the smartest tissue in the toilet we can issue? Sorbent. That's it. There you go. That was the, that was the Sorbent ad. You sang the song <clears> and it triggered. It triggered. 
that's a dirty word around here. We don't we don't talk about them. Sorbent, no. Well, I'm just saying the issue tissue rhyming. I think that came from the sorbent ad. Do you remember? Um, oh no, that was Kimby Kimby Kimbies. What was that? They were they um they were baby nappies, weren't they? And the um the the geniuses that came up with Kimby Kimby Kimby. How does it go? You heard me. That was <laughs> that was Graham Bond and Rory O'Donoghue, the genius behind the Arnie Jack show. They came up with that jingle. Really? Absolutely. There you bloody go. That was Graham Bond and Ro- look it up, Kimby Kimby Kimby, but with the at the beginning. Graham Bond, Rory O'Donoghue. They came up with this advertising slogan for Kimby Kimby Kimby. God, I'm God, I'm full of shit. Hey, there, there's your there's your slogan. Yeah, Kimberly Clark, like Luke, Kimberly Clark, like Luke Boner, full of shit. <laughs> Andy, you rang up for the quickie. I did, mate. What is it, mate? Is it Hoodoo Guru's so tired of waking up tired? No. Oh, bugger. 70s. 70s. Oh, yeah, I missed that part. 70s. Rolling Stone readers voted this, this particular band's third best song. For me, I, I reckon it's their second best. I love right. I love playing this song. Hey, stay there, Andy. All right. Thank G- no, stay there, Gavin. Hey, hey, how you going? All right. I'm good. What's your slogan? We got both bums covered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, my audience. Seriously, sorry, hey, Aunt, hey, sorry. Hey, yeah, yes, go on. Uh, thanks for the T-shirt, buddy. They come in the mail. What did you win it for? The quickie? Ah, uh, no, no, no. I'll ring you up when when you're talking about the um, two hundred million Tats Lotto, and it was getting drawn that night. Oh, okay. Anyway, I gave you a T. You must have been a good caller. And the T-shirt yeah. arrived, did it? Yes, buddy. Yeah, I love it. Fantastic. Good on you. Thank you, Gavin. See you, mate. See you, mate. I don't know. I don't know about your slogan, though. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Kimberly Clark, toilet tissue. Um, where we put the day's dirt behind you. That's good. Do you like that, Andy? Yeah, I like that one. That's a good one too. Mm. All right, Andy, have a good day. I will do, mate. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just. No, you go, mate. You're making toilet tissue. You're keeping the world turning. You've got to keep going. Okay. I will indeed. What, what's, on, what's on the conveyor belt tonight? Three ply, one ply, two ply, four. What is it? Oh, it's everything. A bit of everything, we yeah. We've got boxes, we've got tissues, we've yeah. got lots. You've it's sneezing got season coming up. It is it's tissues, it's tissues, sneezing, yeah. Thanks for your call, Andy. I'll let you go. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, oh, God, here's a pain in the ass. There you go. Well, from. Yeah. Kimberly Clark, just like Jeff, sometimes the shit just sticks. It does, eh? Yeah, hey. From front to back, we'll cover your crap. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Thank you very much. Very good. <laughs> I'm an ideas man. Very, very good. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Go how on. are we tonight? All how right. are we tonight? What's the quickie? Oh, I'll give it another crack and say uh, brown sugar, rolling stones. No. That's all right. That's a really that's my favourite Rolling Stone song of all time, from the uh, Sticky Fingers album. 
Yeah. With that fantastic guitar solo by Mick Taylor. You're going to fly it? You're going to fly it later? Do you, do you dare me to? I, I'd love you to. Okay. Oh, go on. Yeah, yeah, brown sugar. Get us cranked, get it cranked up and get us really rocking in the early hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, okay. Okay, I'll play it just for you, buddy. No, your quickie's wrong. That's okay. All good. Okay, Jim. At least just put it into people in the right direction. <laughs> you, have a good, you have a good day. Have a happy weekend. See, Bye-bye. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. One triple three five three is the telephone number. The night shift on Triple M. Oh, look what I found. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a great piece of music, isn't it? It's from a great album, Sticky Fingers, uh, the, the album that gave us Wild Horses. What was the other one? Um, uh, Brown Sugar. God, Brown Sugar. Read the lyrics to that and tell me it's not completely inappropriate today. Jesus. Anyway, there you have it. The, the Rolling Stones here on the night shift with Bona. One triple three five three is the telephone number. But uh, yeah, Jeff, nice guess. Uh, good song, but no, it's not the quickie. The quickie is a seventy song. Rolling Stone magazine readers said it was voted it the third best song from this particular band. My opinion, I reckon it's their second best song. I'll tell you my opinion. They have so many good songs, but I just this one I've just always liked. But um, if you can guess it, we'll come up with another clue in half an hour if we don't get a winner right now. Um, one triple three five three. Has Brendan got it? Brendan from Mildura. Hello. How you going, Cobber? Good, buddy. What's the quickie? Uh, is it John Lennon, Imagine? Oh, I didn't even think of that. No, 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 no. No, it's not. I'm sorry, Brendo. Does it sound like Imagine, does it? Andy, hello. Morning, Luke. How you going? Good, thanks, Andy. Um, I'll just have a go at the quickie, mate. I think it's uh, Walk This Way by Aerosmith. No, 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 no. 70s. 70s? That it came out in the 70s. Walk This Way, did it? Yeah, and then it was re-released. Was it, was it originally in the 70s, was it? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it was. Walk This Way. By who? By Aerosmith. By Aerosmith? Yeah. Oh, you're talking about the Run DMC remake. Yeah, the Run DMC remake came out in the nineties, but the original Yeah, seventy five. Seventy five didn't Wow. I didn't hear I did not listen to that song in the seventies. Didn't you? you know. No, I listened to the remake. Oh, well there you go. Hey, you're good. Yeah. Um, I try to be. You're very, very good. And I've got got uh, a slogan for Kimberly Clark. Because I've got um from the Raising Hell album. Yeah. Uh, um 1970s. I only knew the I only knew the remake. Well done. Yeah, th- th- um, that was not part of my childhood, and that that those 70s songs of my childhood, but that wasn't one of them. Okay, you, you liked the, you liked the second version instead of the first version. Never even knew about the first version. Well, there you go. You learn something new every day. Thank you, Andy. Well done. Yeah, no worries, Luke. Okay, mate. You you have a good day. See you, mate. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that. the slogan you said. The yeah, sl- yeah. Um. Wipe your ass with Kimberly Clark. Yeah. Arson Clark doesn't really rhyme, does it? It, it sort of does. I tried to work out. No, as Michael Caine would have said in the movie Educating Reason, that isn't a rhyme, that's assonance. (laughs) 
How did Educating I Educating re- Reader, that's an old movie. Yeah, Assonance. And she goes, what, getting the rhyme wrong? He goes, yeah, basically that's right. Assonance yeah. or Assonance? Oh, Assonance. <sighs> Works, doesn't it? Have a good day, Andy. Hello. Bye, boys. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. See you, mate. Bye. <laughs> One triple three five three. Are we are we getting any money out of Kimberly Clark? Do, do they spend money with this network? Millions. Oh, good. Thank God. Do they do they spend money with this in, on my program? No idea. No, no, not a cent. None at all. They will. Not a brass razu. <laughs> if it's green and it grows, you need Swift Grow, the amazing all organic fertilizer that has Australians raving about it. Uh, everyone that uses Swift Grow loves it. Everybody. Brendan loves it. The way I explain it to anyone is because obviously it's not a fertiliser as such. It's like steroids for plants. Hmm. But a few things that happen which I, I still can't get my head around, and one of them is I've got roses, and not only does it make healthy roses, they smell nice, but the way that it's helped combat um, black spot. Yeah. And then apart from that, whether it be the grass, I've grown tomatoes, I've grown corn, I've got fruit trees. It works on everything. That is Brendan, who loves Swift Grow. He, Brendan just one day rang up and just wanted to tell us how much he loves his Swift Grow. You'll love it too. If you're a gardener, if you have a green thumb in the family, get them some Swift Grow. They'll thank you for it. And you're doing the earth good. It is all natural. It's the all-organic barramundi fertiliser that's taking the world by storm. We heard from Joe earlier in the week ringing us from Dubai, where the government has said, can you come over? We want to start growing things. But, I mean, we don't have much soil. It's all sand. They are growing fruit and vegetables in sand with just swift grow. If it's green and it grows, you'll love swift grow. And at Montana, Joe's older daughter She's the one that looks after the deliveries. So if you leave a message, swiftgrow.com.au and say, hey, Montana, look after me. And she'll, leave, she'll do you a special deal. Am I allowed to say that? I don't, I don't know. She probably can't. I don't know. But say hello to Montana when you leave your order. Swiftgrow.com.au. Quick break. Be back. All right. Now, the quickie, Thomas, we need to speed this up because it can't be played tomorrow. Okay, so uh, we've done the Rolling Stone magazine, third best song, yeah, blah, blah, blah. 1970s, that's a bit blah, blah, blah. Can we narrow it down to a, a year? 1979. Oh, This song was released in 1979? That's right. Okay. That's the quickie. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Have a crack now. This is The Night Shift. Night Shift on the Triple M Network. I got a photo of, of uh, Barrett's receiving his Triple M T-shirt this week. I don't know. Is he? He promised he would wear it on the show. I'm, I'm going to hold him to it. Yeah, we'll keep our eye on it. Barrett's, if you're up, um, we'll keep an eye on you. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. Am I on Sunrise tomorrow? I haven't been asked yet. I think I'm on Sunrise tomorrow. Um. But Verrett's saw your T-shirt, looking forward to seeing it on Channel 7 Sunrise at some point. Have a go at this one, Barretts, if you're listening. What song is that? One triple three five three. Tony, hello. G'day, Luke. How you going? Good, thanks, Tony. Talk to me. 
Luke, I wanted to talk about the trains. I'm from a little town in uh, Victoria. Yep. I've lost a very close friend from a uh, train accident and uh, and uh, another friend about two years after that. Uh, what both, what happened? Both they, they got hit at a, at a train crossing? That's exactly right. One of them... Oh, my, close, my close mate was following his wife and his wife mustn't have looked. Mm. And, and uh, he obviously seen her go across and he followed her and the train hit him. And the other... Bo- so, so the train narrowly missed his wife. That's exactly right, and then, and then it hit him oh, uh, God. with full force. And then the other one, a couple of years later, was a farmer that was just looking out into the paddock, and he went over a line with a stop sign on it, and uh, he hit the skids. But the train, it was too late by the time he heard the horn. It can happen so easily, especially if you're not concentrating. And what concerns me is. I've suggested boom gates at every crossing, solar panelled. But people are telling me people go around the boom gates. Well, they do. But, look, the boom gates definitely would work. A lot of the crossings used to always just have a stop sign on them. But yes. those two crossings that killed the two friends that I uh, I know, they're, they're both got lights on them now. They haven't got boom gates. They've got flashing lights. But that idea of yours is good. I was thinking maybe... Why, you know, three kilometres back when the train goes over a sensor or something? A sensor, yes. Why can't you have a a set of horns at that crossing, like the train horn, that go off? uh, Because it's that horn that that horn would have saved both those people. Maybe. Uh, maybe you've got drivers today with very loud, sophisticated sound systems and they're not, they wouldn't be able to hear it or they've got their headphones on, um, I just think a boom gate that comes down in front of you would be the ultimate answer. Oh, I think it would be. But or we treat every railway crossing in Australia, no matter where it is, as a stop sign. But people go through stop signs, don't they? Well, both of the, both of the friends that I lost both went through stop signs. So what a boom gate that's operated via solar energy, so you don't have to run electricity to it, a solar-powered boom gate that's triggered three kilometres up the track by the by the train. Yeah, and uh, when that when that gets triggered, there should be a set of horns there, like the train horn. My mates, my mates got one of those train horns in his grater, and it doesn't matter what you all got going on inside the truck. If he blows that horn a couple hundred metres away, you you can hear it. But what if you've got the music on in your car or your headphones on? Oh, oh, if you had your headphones on, you might may not. But you see, you hear it. Uh, um, another one, Luke. And did you know that being deaf does not stop you getting a driver's license? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that's why it's um, not illegal to have headphones on or to have your, your music in your car with your subwoofer up loud. It might be noise pollution to people outside the car, but deaf people are entitled to get a driver's license. Well, that makes the boom gates better than the ho- my idea of the horns. Can I just tell you something, though? And this this is the epitome of stupidity. Whereabouts are you, Tony? I'm in Melbourne. Okay. In Sydney, nearly once a week at least, you will hear of a truck going through a uh, uh, under a bridge or through a tunnel, and the, the truck's oversized. Yeah. Now, let me tell you about the Sydney Harbour Tunnel. 
At least once a week, you'll hear about an oversized truck getting stuck in the Sydney Harbour Tunnel. Now, to get stuck in the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, this is what has to happen, because I've had it shown to me by the Australian Traffic Authority. Ian Wallace showed me this years ago. So there is a detection that can signal very early on that the truck approaching the Sydney Harbour Tunnel is oversized and whistles and alarms go off. Yep. Then there is a second one and whistles and alarms go off. If you approach the Harbour Tunnel, the third warning, there is a big bar that goes across the lane and a sheet of water comes down and and projected up onto that sheet of water is a huge stop sign. To get stuck in the Harbour Tunnel, you've got to go through that sheet of water. Well, three things you've got to go through. And trucks still get stuck. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, I think, Rod, Rodney, um, the bloke from Coffs Harbour and yourself said something about over the last couple of weeks that they sometimes the train looks like a, a car coming or something. Why can't nationally every train have a certain, have their big headlight like they've got, but have a certain coloured light on the front of that train? Like, you know, mm-hmm. national, mm-hmm. like a, not a blue light, obviously, but a a certain colour light as well as that, and then you know that that's actually a train. Or they have the big headlights. I'll need some more help from train drivers here. But they have the big headlights, but maybe up higher, they have flashing lights. I tell you what, nothing gets your attention like a red and blue flashing light because you think it's a copper or a, a fire. A fire. Um, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So maybe flashing lights at the top of the uh, the train and the big light at the bottom. But, yeah, someone during Truckee Tuesday said that at night time, when you see the train approaching from way in the distance, you think it's another truck or a, tr- a car. And Rod said that himself. But between Oyen and Pitu, I don't know whether you know that area there, there's, there's quite a few rail crossings there that you've got to, on bends and everything. Um, they're real dangerous ones. And, and some do mistake them for another car or another truck coming, you know, in all hours of the morning. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's just a couple of ideas that I thought of, Rod, um, Luke. I think that's great. Thank you so much. You've been great, just, Tony. While I've got you, Luke, there's a, in Tasmania they've got a toilet paper called um, I Don't Give a Crap. And yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that? I've heard of it, yes. Yeah, that's a pretty good seller, apparently. But... Okay, yeah. Kimberly and Clark, we're after a slogan. Um, Yeah, Kimberly Clark, um, there's got to be a good slogan there somewhere. Uh, We've come up with a few already. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Good on you, Luke. See you, mate. Bye-bye. 13353 is the number. John, hello. Hey, Luke, how are you? Good, thank you, John. Where are you? I'm travelling between Coffs and Grafton. Okay. What's up? Rolling Stones, we had it all. No. No, 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 no. Uh, Greg, what's the quickie? Well, I'm thinking it might be Rolling Stones start me up. No, it's not. 70s, 70s. Uh, Ryan, what's the quickie? Uh, the who? Who are you? No, 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 it's not. Uh, Brendan in Penrith. Brendan, what is it? 
Brendan, talk. Uh, my Sharona, the Nat. No, it's not. 1979, we've narrowed it down to. 1979. That's the quickie. Have a crack. This is the night shift on Triple M. Um, the night shift around Australia with the Triple M network. Look, I've got to tell you, the quickie. Okay. Um, uh, Rolling Stone magazine's readers voted it the third best song of this artist. We know it's a band. It's a band. We know that it was a 70s song, but now we know it was 1979. It is a UK band. A UK band. Is there anything else? People get it. They can get it now. Surely people will get it now. They're clever. Todd, hello. Todd, talk. Tiny. Good, Todd. You rang me. What's up? How are you, buddy? Made a long-time listener, first-time caller. Good on you, Todd. You're, um, now, you're now part of the Night Shift family. What's on your mind? You're an absolute legend, buddy. Loved your attitude first. Um, uh, Swift Grove, best thing ever. And also, the trains. Now, you were saying three kilometres back. Well, no, it's only because a train driver told me on Tuesday, fully laden, carrying 17,000 tonnes, uh, it took his train two and a half kilometres to come to a stop. That's why I came up with three Ks. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about. Mate, that, that's perfect. Like, I, I'm a truck driver myself for 30 years. Now, I've been past there and all that, and and over night time, the lights do on the train, they do look like cars or a motorbike or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, with their horns, people won't hear them because they've got their headphones in or they're on the phone or they're doing something. Yes. But... Yeah. Another idea, when you go through the North Connects tunnels and, and there's breakdowns in the tunnels, it cuts out everything on the radio, your phone, everything, and it tells you mm. that there's a breakdown in the tunnel. Mm. Could that be another idea? Like three kilometres back. Yeah, but you see, we're talking about hundreds of railway crossings and a lot of these uh, fatalities are happening you know, right in the middle of nowhere right in the middle of uh, regional and outback Australia, and you would need to get power. See, those transmitters are on all the time. Let me explain how they work. When you're in those tunnels, there was a bloke, I actually knew the bloke that came up with the the intelligence, the, the, the technology to get that to work so that every radio station could be intercepted by the authorities to broadcast emergency messages. That's why you're able to pick up every AM and FM radio station in the Sydney Harbour Tunnel and those other tunnels. The bloke's name was a bloke called John Innes, and he was a genius. But it takes full time uh, a full-time service of electricity to keep those transmitters alive. Are you saying that perhaps you could have a transmitter that can intercept your car radio? See, it can't intercept your radio. It can't intercept... Um, your Spotify or your DVD or your CD, it intercepts radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah you see, it yeah. intercepts radio. It's it's great technology. A bloke called John Innes invented it, and uh, an Australian. Uh, but uh, I don't know if somebody's listening to a song and they're streaming the song. How do you intercept that? Yeah, so I just think a a solar powered boom gate would 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 work. Look, at the end of the day, something's got to be done. Something has to be done. Too many people are dying. Hey, Todd, you said that you like Swift Grow. What do you use it? Do you? 
mate, as soon as I heard, heard about it, um, when when you got onto it, uh, mate, I used it every single day. Or every, I put it on once a week. I, I do. I love my lawn. So hang on. So you use Swift Grow on, on your lawn? Yep, once a week I put it on. And what's it done? Mate, it's green, and all through winter it stays green. It doesn't die off or doesn't burn or anything. It stays green. And um, all my neighbours wondering what I put on it and what I do to my lawn. And I say, oh, I talk to it every night, and I put uh, <laughs> fish fish crap on it. <laughs> and people laugh, people laugh at me. So, and and another, another thing, the bloke who invented Swiss Grow, Joe. he should have... Uh, Jay, yeah, mate, he should have open days where people can go there and just have a look around because people say I should be a sales rep for him because I'm selling it to everybody. I've got a lot I reckon of- he should too. He's at the University of Western Sydney. They invited him there because they wanted Joe's help because he's, he's a microbiologist. He's a scientist. And they uh, he's assisting the University of Western Sydney with their organic... Um, what do you call it? Um, he's helping them with their micro aquaculture. That's what I'm looking for. Aquaculture. So not just fish, but yabbies and everything else. And he, he moved the whole shebang. Uh, it, it's out to the University of Western Sydney at their invitation. But you're right. He should have an open day. So that we can all go out there. I'll go out there. We'll cook a barbecue. We'll we'll invite the local Lions Club or whoever to set up a barbecue like they do at Bunnings. And we should go out there one day on Saturday afternoon and have an open day at Swift Grow. I'll put it to him, Todd. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll bring the esky full of water so we can have a drink. <laughs> I'll, get the, I'll, get, I'll get the Minister for and Finance to drive that day. Hey, uh, mate, yeah, no, he's an absolute legend like yourself, mate. You've got a good attitude, and I, I like the way that you, you talk to people and, and you catch a lot of people out from lying. Like, you put your belief in 100% in people, and you believe everything they say, but you catch them out also. Well, sometimes people sometimes people uh, ring up and they... I do I want to believe my listeners on face value, but when they tell lies and they talk themselves into circles, it's... It's pretty easy to spot, isn't it? It doesn't take you long to catch them out. No, it doesn't. That's my old man used to say, never bullshit a bullshitter. No, that's you. You're an absolute legend, buddy. Appreciate you talking. I'll let, I'll let uh, Todd, and, uh, Todd, I'll let Montana and Joe know how much you love the Swift Grow, okay? Excellent. Thanks, buddy. You have a good day. You too, brother. Thank you. There you are. Another Swift Grow fan. We should have an open day. We should have a day out there, a, a Saturday afternoon. And, and have a bit of fun and let people see what Joe does. Uh, swiftgrow.com.au. Order it now. You get delivery anywhere in Australia. And uh, Montana will look after you. So just go to swiftgrow.com.au and have a look. Read all the information and then get it onto your garden. You will, like Todd, thank me for it. This is the Night Shift on Triple N. Come on, this quickie. 1979, it's a band, it's an English band. Someone's going to know this song very, very soon. 13353 is the number. Okay, Thomas, go. You know, I think this quickly could go off 
in only seven days. What? Think about it. There's your clue. No, I don't get it. If you know, you know. God, Thomas, I know the name of the song and that doesn't help. I've just given you the album name. Oh. oh right. It's on that album. Peter, hello. What's the quickie? Hello. Uh, I was going to say uh, Pink Floyd, Another Brick in the Wall, Part 2. No, it's not, buddy. 1979. I, I see where you're going. Kirsten, hello. Hi, yes. Just wanted to know if it was YMCA by the Village People. No way. <laughs> it's your favourite song. <laughs> it's not my favourite song. <laughs> yes, I have the Indian uniform at home, but no, I don't. That, so, I'm sorry, Kirst. Have a good day, Dale. Andrew, what is it? Andrew, talk to me. Oh, sorry, mate. Uh, yeah, I was thinking tragedy by the Beatrix. No, 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 it's not. Cal, what's the quickie? It's got to go. Uh, it has to go. Fleetwood Mac, Tusk. No. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Luke. Yes. I think it might be the police. I was going to say Roxanne, but I think it's mm. message in the bottle. <sighs> no. No. Sharon, has Thomas given it away? Go. Um, I've got two, two that I'm... You got what? Go, go with your first one. Okay, when you're in love with a beautiful woman by... No, it's not. It's not. I'm sorry. Glenn. Glenn, come on. Goodbye, Ruby Tuesday by the Rolling Stones. No. That was, that was 60s, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Decade off. Is that a decade off? Yeah. Because I get older, the decades are just sort of splurge into each other. As I get older, I get greyer. Yeah. One triple three five three is the telephone number. I think Thomas has given it away. He's given you the album. He's given you up. This cannot be played tomorrow. That's why we desperately need a winner today. The quickie. You've heard all the clues. Have a crack. Yeah, he's an interesting character, isn't he, Mark Ainsworth? I know we've had him on before. But uh, with the resignation of the Queensland Police Commissioner, he was keen to come back on. And, and I, so I, I'll say it again. The police, men and women of the police force, not just in Queensland, but around Australia, are doing their very best. But I believe if the laws are in place and the magistrates have got these repeat offenders in front of them, you know, there's a community standard that has to be represented in our courts. Are you with me? There is a community standard. Now, a lot of people say, oh, the magistrates aren't there to represent the community. They're there to uphold the law. And that's 100% correct. But when the law is there, and if the politicians have done their place, done their job, and if the police officers have made the arrests, isn't it up to the magistrates to then put community standards into place if the law is there to provide it. That's all I'm saying. One triple three five three is the telephone number. This is Triple M. If you'd like to respond to anything you've heard on the program this morning, please write to us if you can. Uh, send us an email, nightshift at triplem.com.au. A reminder that everything we do here on the on the Night Shift ends up on a podcast that I don't know how it works, magically happens. Thomas weaves some sort of white man magic and it works. What do you do? That magic is me stitching it together. Stitching it together, yeah. Um, Andy, hello. 
How you going again, Luke? I'm good, thanks, Andy. Where are you? Melbourne. Okay, what's up? I just want to have another go at the quickie. Yes. Um, crazy little thing called love. Oh, by Queen. No. No. Andy. Andy, this song has got to go off today. Do you know, Thomas? If it doesn't go off, we'll just play it tomorrow. It's a cracker of a song. It's a cracker of a song. But see, Fridays is eighties. Uh, right across the Triple M network, which we quite enjoy. This song is 70s, in fact, 1979. But if worse comes to worst, um, I'll just have to play it tomorrow and break, fact, and break format again. <laughs> I'd go as far as to say it's get, a toe tapper. We'll get, a, we'll get another email from Andrew, eh? Probably. Oh, he, I must, fair him, I must give that guy an answer. No, anyway. Um, Bill's online. G'day, Bill. Yeah, g'day, Luke. Where are you from, Bill? Yeah, where is it? Oh, I think I was thinking Super Tramp, the logical song. Oh, I haven't heard that in ages. What a great song. And um, It's unreal. I love that song. I love Super Tramp, but no. All right. Thanks, brother. Hey, listen, you have a good day. You too, mate. Okay. What are you doing today? I uh, work and I'm a delivery driver. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, you take care of yourself. Thanks, brothers. See you, buddy. Have a good day. Bye-bye. The Night Shift around Australia with the Triple M Network, Thursday, February 22. Maddie Larson has news headlines for us next. Heat waves continuing in the country south, cyclone in the north, and, uh, and lots of other stories that you're waking up to this morning. That's next. Time to look at the news that we're waking up to today, Thursday, February 22. Maddie Larson from Triple M News joins me live. Good morning to you, Mads. Good morning, Luke. Strange weather, hey? We were told, when we told last November, December that we went for El Nino, it was going to be a dry, dry, hot summer. Well, not down the east coast of Australia, but certainly for WA and people west of the divide. I tell you what, it's been very, very warm. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah, definitely a mixed bag of weather that we've been seeing, not uh, uh, what we were typically expecting. I, I know that the country's farmers have even been put off because they'd planned their uh, crops and how they were growing things around that El Nino. But that is a different story. When we're looking at the extreme weather uh, today and over the coming days, there's hot temps for the country's south and a cyclone for the north. So mm. fire weather warnings are in place for South Australia and Victoria Melbourne will get to 38 degrees today. Very unusual for the usual uh, cooler cap city. And uh, Tassie and WA are also in for heat waves. Uh, and these warnings um, also come with the potential for storms for Victoria from tomorrow afternoon. And that comes as 1,200 remain without power after last week's storms, but they are expected to come back onto the grid today. Hopefully they don't uh, get taken uh, back off uh, <laughs> off the power again tomorrow. But uh, at the same time, uh, yeah, uh, ex-tropical cyclone Lincoln is expected to redevelop and it could cross WA's north as either a Cat 2 or Cat 3 this weekend. Fire and Emergency Services Commissioner Darren Clamett says towns are on alert and holidaymakers should avoid the West Pilbara. People in the community should reconsider travel to the area and people travelling in caravans must leave the area prior to a cyclone approaching for your own safety. But yes, a mixed bag across the country uh, over the coming days, Luke. Yeah, I know. We'll talk to Gavin Morris about that tonight. It's amazing. <laughs> now, the average time to save a 20% deposit 
for an entry-level home in our capital cities has been lowered to five years and one month. Um, I guess it depends on what you're earning and how much rent you're paying, doesn't it? Yeah, I think rent would definitely pay a factor for that. I think if you're paying for Sydney rent, for example, it'd be a bit harder to uh, yeah save some of your savings. But uh, yeah, the highest interest rates are actually helping first home buyers save for a deposit quicker. So as you just mentioned, the average time to get that 20% is now lowered to five years and one month. And our domain's Dr. Nicola Powell says that's a pretty decent improvement. And that's actually declined by three months compared to this time last year. However, Luke, there is always bad news when we're discussing the housing crisis. It's not all PG. I mean, we'd like to bring that happy news. But at the same time, every cap city but Darwin, young couples are spending more than 30% of their income on an entry-level house mortgage. So once you do buy that house, it's still very hard to pay off that mortgage amid the cost of living. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, prices on grocery shelves very much in the headlines at the moment as well after the Woolly CEO resigned, uh, announced his resignation yesterday. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that you will need to cut back on, I suppose, to even be able to afford a mortgage if it's uh, taking up 30% of your income. There are. And people are cutting out things like mm. private health insurance uh, and things like that. So Yeah, I don't have private health insurance. Yeah, I'm a young person saving. Are mm-hmm. you concerned about that? I mean, if, if you had I to am, go to but hospital. At the same time, I have savings there that I can use. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, Because my fear do... is you pay into insurance and then you don't use it. That's right. That's right. It's, but see, you're disciplined. Yeah. Okay, so you're disciplined. Uh, you, you've got savings. So that if, if you do have to go to hospital and you want to pay for your own room or if you want to choose the surgeon of your choice, if you've got savings there, earning interest, that's smart. But, um, well, I, I don't think you can. From what I've seen, uh, my family do pay into private health insurance, and any time they've been into hospital, they they don't get a private room anymore. No, you're not guaranteed. Used to be that way, but the hospitals are just taken over at the moment. So, um, you know, at the same time, though, I think that ambulance cover is really important. Probably should get that. But you know, yeah, there's people cutting back on lots of things, even streaming services. You know, I'm just down to Netflix at the moment. Oh, you poor thing. Uh, <laughs> first, 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 oh, world first world problems. First world Luke, problems. I know, first world problems, exactly. I'll tell you another first world problem. I'm looking in the Daily Telegraph today. The miles and miles of queues of mums and young girls queuing up for Tay-Tay merchandise. I'm just turning to page nine now. Unbelievable. Massive queues of Swifties, Sydney Olympic Park, waiting hours. There's one young girl. She got there at 6 a.m. The merch tent didn't open till 10, but she got there. So she wouldn't have to wait in the long queue and there was already a long queue. Would you? 120 for a Hopefully the jerk. school doesn't think she was just off sick. But I mean, at the same time, you know, we're seeing a lot of swift mania. And it, I mean, maybe it's a good memory for the mums and daughters waiting in line. At the same time, though, that would be a very, very long wait. So that's very committed mums there. That's quite sweet. But you know what I was thinking, mm. Luke, that no one's spoken about? So we had her play in Melbourne last weekend, right? Mm. But this weekend in Sydney, we don't just have Taylor Swift playing, but we've got Blink-182 shows as well. It's like Bar- Barbenheimer all over again when we had <laughs> Barbie and Oppenheimer in the movies. And the funniest thing is Sydney trains will be programmed to play Taylor Swift hits as thousands descend on Olympic Park. 
So Blink-182 fans will be listening to Swift if they're catching public transport. But at the same time, she's obviously uh, dominating the headlines, uh, despite all the other stars that we have in the country at the moment. Uh, and the New South Wales government is also using AI to predict crowd movements. It's uh, combining CCTV, weather and social media data. And this does come as there are concerns that storms could hit the Swift concerts as well. So keep an eye on the weather. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, there's just so much Swift mania at the moment. Uh, you know, there's mm. even people that are studying her uh, as a PhD. Uh, one of the no. fan studies experts that is doing a PhD on Swift, Kate Patterson, has actually spoken to us. And she says the fan frenzy has been likened to that of the Beatles. Take a listen. I don't know if we've seen such round just one person obviously we've had some great concerts come here recently but the frenzy that's just Mm. overtaken australia right now i think is is pretty unique so huge huge time at the moment for taylor swift but yes sorry to blink what a two fans that will have to listen to swift on the train oh my god (laughs) have a good day you too luke (laughs) thanks for this week madeline larson the dies first die the dies first die Thursday is shepherd's pie, Wednesday's a roast to be, Tuesday's soup, Monday is washing day, is everybody happy? You bet your life we are.